This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Happy Tuesday to you. Another day, another Trump announcement. Several. Several announcements today. Yet no press conference to announce any of them. And I wonder why that is. Was it all done over Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Tillerson is the is the man tapped to head the State Department. He's going to get 99th. Uh, well, how do they phrase it? A 99th of his income that he gets as chairman of. of uh, That's right. Exxon Mobil. To be the Secretary of State. I mean, it's a big deal. He's he's in. So uh, a lot of people are upset, frustrated again by Donald Trump, thinking that this is just paying a lot of billionaires off. Donald's argument would be, hold it. This guy knows how to get stuff done. He's good friends with in, Putin. Yeah. So. So is it about oil or is it about diplomacy? Sure. Because before... Like multiple presidencies, people are like, we're just doing this for oil. And like, no, this is about human rights. I'm like, just happens to be countries where we get a lot of oil. And like, no, 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 we're doing this. For, you know, now it's yeah. just, are we just accepting that it's about oil? Many would say it's going to be much more about oil, uh, much more than oil. But he knows how to negotiate around oil as well. Snake oil? No, no, no. Are they a bunch of snake oil? Oh, snake no. Oil? Okay. This is real oil. Oh, I see. Exxon Mobil real oil so he's in and uh well he's oh, i mean he's the appointed pick. yeah well he hasn't even been officially announced today no, they no, will announce did. him oh did they already announce he him today? threw it out on twitter well i mean i guess today they're having a me- an announcement though no they, they said tuesday we'll talk they're not doing it they're not announcing it <laughs> why would you not announce your pick how strange we'll get to that um plus today we'll be talking about uh, is there one way to eradicate poverty by simply making sure those that are in need are having and understanding all of the options for the help they could be receiving? If you live in an inner city community or in an impoverished community, you may not even know of the resources that are available to you. So today we will be talking with Dr. Laura Bronstein. And um, some work that she's been doing on how to eradicate poverty through school-linked services. If you made the schools the community center where they could end up getting all of the information about chips and about every other uh, opportunity and and subsidy that you could get to strengthen your family, free food, Mm. free after-school opportunities as well, boy, then all of a sudden the kids and the families will know. What, uh, what they can do to take care of their own situation. Powerful. Empowering our communities. We'll be getting into that. Uh, plus, of course, finding out it's uh, Mitt Romney last night and says, I'm not the pick. I'm not the guy. Not the pick. Tillerson. Yeah. He's the man. They, they're now saying when this all goes down, this will be probably the biggest fight Donald will have through the Senate committees to – to get a cabinet member in. But uh, first, let's get to the headlines with Terry. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country and what we need to be worrying about? Thanks, Matt. As we've been talking about, ExxonMobil Chief Executive Rex Tillerson is the 
nominee to serve as Secretary of State for President-elect Donald Trump. In a statement, Trump said, Tillerson's career is the embodiment of the American dream. Through hard work, dedication, and smart deal-making, Rex rose through the ranks to become CEO of ExxonMobil, one of the world's largest and most respected companies. His tenacity, broad experience, and deep understanding of geopolitics makes him an excellent choice for Secretary of State. Governor Mitt Romney, or former Governor Mitt Romney, went to Facebook and said uh, it was an honor to have been considered. So he made the con- he made the same comment everyone makes when they don't win an Oscar yeah. or a Grammy. Or- I'd like to thank the little people. Yeah. So uh, the re- Republican former governor of Texas, Rick Perry, has been chosen by Donald Trump to be his energy secretary. People involved with the selection process told CBS News on Monday it was rumored before he was one of four people. He's the pick. He's the man. Hopefully he remembers what the job's name is, unlike <laughs> the audio we played the yesterday. Third one, yeah. Both of those announcements made on Twitter yeah. and sent out in press releases, and that was the announcement to be right. made on Tuesday. Oh, that's that was it. Yeah. Just tweeting it out. Donald Trump is uh, postponing an announcement on the future of his businesses until next month, Bloomberg reports. Trump had previously planned a December 15th press conference during which he would apparently detail the next steps for his various business ventures. The press conference is now expected to take place in January before his inauguration. Members of Trump's team told Bloomberg that Trump was focusing on finalizing his cabinet picks and could not currently announce his business plans. Trump also said that no new deals will be done by his company during the presidential term or terms. What? So no new deals deals. for the next four years? His kids will run the company. No new deals. What kind of business is that? Right. And when he mentions his kids, he goes, my two children, Don and Eric, plus executives, will manage them. He does not mention Ivanka. Well, Ivanka is going to be in D.C. Apparently. She's going to be probably doing the first lady duties that Melania doesn't seem to excited about mm-hmm, yeah so um an overlooked electrical system started the deadly fire that claimed 36 lives in the ghost ship a warehouse in oakland and an art space art space um what qualifies as an art space a space with art in right, it. space with art okay I, i've seen inside this building didn't look very artistic well maybe the people were artists i don't know if anything was artistic, it's up in, in flames, apparently. The ghost ship reportedly used a com- uh, complicated system of extension cords, many which connected to the same overload electrical line. Remember all the... Oh, yeah. They had, a, like, power strips and, like, 40 plugs into yeah. them? Yeah. Looked that, like my basement. Yeah. So they had an electrical fire. Great. The uh, owner put in a new refrigerator, and they fear that may have shorted oh, the system. Boy. Also, Major League Baseball announced Monday night that they have outlawed any hazing activities, including making rookies dress up like women or female cartoon characters. Uh, as part of the sports new labor deal said to be ratified by both sides today, the Players Union agreed to do not contest this rule. A MLB vice president said Monday that the new rules resulted partly in light of social media, which in our view sort of unfortunately publicized a lot of the dressing up for the players, Mm. those kind of things which in our view were insensitive and potentially offensive to a number of groups. There's a lot of pictures or photographs of baseball players dressed up as Disney princesses, he said. What it, you know, there seem to be a lot of men who are fascinated with seeing other men in ladies' clothing, like dressed up as a you're, as a female. You're the doctor. That's what yeah. is that? What well, is that saying? That's about messed this? up. Yeah, yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> that's messed up. It seems obvious. Is that your official? That's my official diagnosis. Okay. They are messed up. By the way, was that the same ghost ship from the film Ghost Ship? No, this was a warehouse. Oh, I got the name. Hmm. 
Is that it? Is that all the headlines you got? Uh, Jose Canseco <laughs> wants to be the head of the Fed. Oh, jeez. Former Major League Baseball slugger Jose Canseco dangling himself as the home run pick for Federal Reserve Chair. Hold on. The, this isn't is the same. Or, or, I'm sorry. Isn't it Cones Co. like Safeco? No, it's Con, uh, Con, Conseco. Yeah. So then it's Safeco Field. He's known yeah. for uh, hitting home runs. Well. Uh, steroid use. Yes. And I believe there was, yeah, there was a and, point where he took an, a... Uh, a long fly ball off the forehead that bounced off his head and uh-huh. out for a home run. Hold on. Didn't he also do a little all-star wrestling or something? Probably. He's uh-huh. done quite a few things, but he says either the Federal Reserve Chair, which is usually left to people who know something about the banking and yeah, yeah, yeah. investment with, systems yeah. of the country, or at least the ambassador to Cuba. Well, he's had yeah. money in the past, right? So wouldn't he be an authority figure on that? Well, I, I think it's different. I mean, the Fed is a pretty big responsibility. It's like... Really big. Maybe mm. not what you give Jose Canseco. Isn't his brother-in-law a Fed, though? I don't know. And uh, what is it? President Trump has mentioned, maybe it's a joke, not sure, but former Mets uh, manager Bobby Valentine Wow, as an ambassador to Japan. He has a long history of managing baseball well, teams. the Japanese in, love baseball. But he had this, this specific guy has a, a long history of managing baseball teams in Japan. Oh really? So he right? could be the so is ambassador. that is that what qualifies you to be an ambassador? Because the, the last um, uh, the current administration, it just takes some donations to your campaign reelection fund, and then you well yeah that you can go be an to... ambassador also. So I mean, at least the guy lived there, right? Yeah, we've sent ambassadors to country they don't even speak the language, right? But they gave millions to you know presidents to be reelected. <laughs> so so I guess it works, uh, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. I have a feeling this is going to be the greatest cabinet ever assembled in the history of the United States. Well, I think it already is. I think Donald's already said it is. They at least have the On most paper. colorful resumes. They have they have the biggest bank accounts. Well, yeah. Um, More Goldman Sachs people. What's her name? Carly Fiorina is yeah. now being looked at for um, what is she? The. The inf- intelligence agency D something. Okay. Didn't like, he insult her? Oh, yeah. Okay. He said something about her face. But, I mean, it wasn't an insult. It was no, just, it was really it was something. A statement it was, of what's, fact is what he was, it was saying. It was what's wrong with her face kind <laughs> of a concept. So, in fact, they had her on MSNBC, and they're like, how, so how do you get over that? How do you get over that? And she says, well, he's the president of the United States. So we're here to serve the president. And she even said he kissed her on the cheek. So they're good. They're good now. Lawsuit pending. But every time she comes on TV, someone could logically play a clip oh, boy. of the sitting president saying what's wrong with her face. I mean, how do they announce her when she enters the, you know, yeah. the White House? I don't know. Mr. President. I, there's so, that's why the whole Romney thing was interesting is he, all the things that Mitt Romney had said about Donald Trump. And that's just going to be brushed away, and I'm going to go do his bidding as Secretary of State? That didn't make any sense. Well, except, again, and this is what she answered. You're serving the country. You're not serving just the president. You're, You're at, serving the country. Except so. he can call for your resignation, and you turn it in because you serve at his well, sure, will, but, right? I know, but, you, but you're here to ever, – ever, I mean, even President Obama is trying to serve Donald Trump now, right? I mean, he's taking his calls there – was trying to help the transition. Yeah. Maybe they all want Donald to succeed. That's what they're saying. Or just not drive it into a ditch. Yeah. Whichever point of view you have. 
Do you ever think he's like one of those brutally honest four-year-olds that's always like, Mommy, why is that man fat? Yeah, right. exactly. We were just talking about that. Yeah, except he, yeah. he's The problem is he's not a five-year-old. Right. He should probably know better. But he, he just he just says what's on his mind, which a lot of people think is fantastic because we don't get enough of that in politics. Right. People, you know, tell you you're skinny and then the next thing you know, they're checking your BMI, which we'll be talking about today in hour number two of the show. Hey, um, tragedy in Aleppo. This is why the president needs to be taking these uh, intelligence briefings. Eighty two people killed. Murdered, 82 civilians killed Monday um, in Aleppo, 13 children, 11 women, just shot, killed yeah. on the spot. Bodies in the streets. It's, it's, it's coming unwound. President Obama, this is one, this is one thing he's – I think this, he was saying this is one of his biggest regrets is what's going on in Syria. And this is one that he's going to leave for the Donster. And there's Crazy. really no solution. It's so no. far gone. And do you do you enter? Do you bring more troops in here? This is going to be the general's first probably big decision. Is do what do you do with Syria? And remember, Russia's got their hands all through Syria, so that's another problem. Right. And then there is the thinking that if you know you you get on better relations with Russia, they'll just take care of it. Yeah. No. And then we won't have to muddy the waters. Right. Ah. But then is giving Russia that opportunity to fix it, is that helping them and their standing? And do we do that? Does that help us? Well, and many, are, many are saying it is probably time to reset with Russia, which is what Hillary tried to do with the reset button, if you remember. Way back I remember the, that, yes. That was kind of a fiasco. But um, so, I mean, a lot of these things, there there may need to be a reset with Russia, but it's, it seems like – We've already reset with them because, you know, we, we allowed well, them into the election. It, it the seemed like elections. the first half of the Obama administration, they tried. Yeah. And then Edward Snowden happened and he went to Russia. Yeah. And now Russia's the enemy again. Yeah. Well, and then Ukraine and well, yeah, yeah. all that other stuff, shooting down an airliner and, eh. you know, man. But as if Russia were bad enough, six days, six Georgia police officers have been shot. So there's war here locally, too. I mean, it sounds like this is all negative news, but yeah. just Donald Trump's on it now. Jeff Sessions will be taking over the Justice Department. I mean, if they all pass through the Senate. Yeah. And it's a Republican House and Senate, so you'd think that maybe they would uh, think that they're going to get through. through. Possibly. Mm. Crazy. Crazy town. Um, what, uh, what does President Obama think about Trump? Uh, skipping intelligence briefings. Here's the daily. I think the president-elect may say one thing and do another once he's here, because the truth of the matter is, is that it's a big, complicated world. It doesn't matter how smart you are; you have to have the best information possible to make the best decisions possible. And my experience with our intelligence agencies is that they are not perfect. They'd be the first to acknowledge that. But they are full of extraordinarily hardworking, patriotic, and knowledgeable experts. If you're not getting their detailed perspective, then you are flying blind. There you go. That was from The Daily Show? Yeah. Where are the jokes? I don't know. There was no jokes on that one. Mm. But he makes a great point that it's, it's not about your intellect. I mean, every 
you know, everybody working around the president is probably fairly intellectual. But you need the data. You need the real-time information. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think of it as school. Every morning you get to go sit down with some of the smart people and they tell you what's going on. But, like, he probably should be briefed today on what's happening in Aleppo because that's turning into chaos. Chaos. Oh, aren't you glad that you don't have to worry about being the president of the United States? Can you imagine a bigger task? Mm. Well, yeah, but you get free breakfast. Mm. You get a security detail. Yeah. How fun would that be? Having 30 people always around you. I like my private time. I like just being left alone. I've got three Netflix. people that are always around me. Yeah. But they're delightful. They're beautiful. Cute little daughters. Hanging on your legs. Cute as ever. Ah, fun stuff, folks. Well, today we're going to be taking on poverty. How we could eradicate poverty through school-linked services. Stick with us. Interesting discussion about how just a little information can go a very, very long way. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. most important lessons for children to learn is the best uh, taught in the home, right? From family members who love and care for them. Schools should be a child's second resource for learning. But what if parents are not able to provide their children with all of their needs, with their educational, their health, their physical resources? Should the schools supplement? Well, here to speak to us about her book, School Linked Services, is Professor Lara Bronstein, a dean at Binghamton University um, and also is the Dean of the College of Community and Public Affairs. I was a professor of social work and executive director of the Institute for Multigenerational Studies at Binghamton University, the State University of New York. Dr. Lara Bronstein, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Isn't it true? I mean, it's we, you, you, I live in a wonderful community where we hope the parents all take care of their kids and everybody's better off because parents are involved. But the reality is, worldwide, nationwide, a lot of kids don't have those idyllic types of situations, right? Right, absolutely. And um, and many times it's through no fault of their parents. Right. The parents that are low income and may need to have two jobs or things that don't allow them to have the time and the resources to provide for kids like middle class families might. And you, and in your book, and a lot of your great writings, in fact, one of your articles, A Model for Interdisciplinary Collaboration, has been cited as one of the top 10 most influential articles in social work in the last decade. Talk to us about um, how schools and, and, and having access to a lot of the wonderful services provided by government through the school system is, is proving to be a pretty sound system. Absolutely. And it's it's not just services through government. It's services through government, through nonprofit organizations, and through the private sector. I think it's um it's when um uh we we realize again that middle class families can provide things for their kids that uh 
children from uh, lower class families do not have. And we've now tipped the balance where the majority, where over 50% of children in this country are classified as low income. Mm. And so if you have parents, for instance, that are working two jobs uh, that are not available to go to parent-teacher conferences or don't have the funds to pay for summer camp for their children or for soccer lessons or for dance classes, some of the things that I was fortunate to be able to provide for my kids, the, the, the data has shown that the difference in academic success for these children from the lower class families that don't have access to these resources is the difference in their academic success from their middle class peers. So you can have, you know, teachers in the classroom that are doing excellent jobs, but if students don't have the resources to support them in the classroom, whether it's because they have summer learning loss, they didn't they didn't do something productive over the summer, they don't have the productive activities after school, they don't have access to the health or mental health services they may need, that's the difference in their academic achievement. And then we just chalk it up to, you know, someone will make a comment about the teachers aren't doing a good enough job or the, or the you know, educational leaders. It's, I mean, this is a highly complex issue, right? Multi, multi-variable, multi-input um, issue, and we can't just assign it to laziness or assign it to, you know, lack of spending or money for the teachers. Correct. Although funding has been something that is a strong corollary. I mean, if you look at our standing in the world as the United States, we're sort of in the middle of industrial uh, countries in terms of how well our students do in education. But if you look at districts that are predominantly middle class or, or, um, or upper class, then we're at the top of the world. So it, there really is a correlation between um, financial resources and how well our children can achieve. In your, in your uh, writings and in your modeling of this, give us an example of what a really healthy integration of services, resources, kind of the community center schools that you talk about. Mm-hmm. What does it look yeah, like? So community schools are really the models of schooling services because they take a comprehensive approach and they take a local approach. So um, the first thing that, that should happen in, in a community school is to get somebody on board who's a community school coordinator. The first thing that person does is a full needs assessment, a needs assessment where they talk to, to students, families, teachers, principals, business owners, uh, people who drive the buses, the school buses, cafeteria workers, everybody involved who touches children's lives in those communities. And then they find out where is this community doing right by children, where are we supporting them, and what are the challenges that we need to address. And so in each particular district or each particular school, an individual plan is made up depending on what the needs and the resources are. Hmm. And so uh, really a 360-degree view, you try to get a look at everybody, all of the stakeholders, find out what's working, what the strengths are, find out where we need help, what we, we're not doing very well, and then start just connecting the dots? Absolutely. 
absolutely. So, for example, we're doing a lot of this work in uh, in Broome County in upstate New York, where Binghamton University is, and in our um, in our inner city core, which is a small city of Binghamton. What we found out was most needed was um, was extra academic support for students in high school that were close to graduating but might not graduate without extra extra help. So we developed an after school program hmm. in Whitney Point, which is one of the rural areas where we are and developing a community school, the highest need there was there's a lot of families out in rural areas that don't have transportation to get to school that themselves may not have graduated from school. And so what we're starting with there is outreach, actually going out to these families' homes and talking to them about their students and what's needed and how we can best support these families. So within the same county, a very different starting point depending on the particular needs of that community. And and then you just, I mean, it doesn't sound like this takes an enormous amount of resources as much as identifying the problem and then, I mean, then figuring out ways to, to bring resources to it. Yeah, and I think, you know, these, the community schools uh, around this country are funded in a whole array of, of ways. So it's usually a composite of funding, so some federal funding, some state funding local funding, um, some uh, foundation funding, uh, um, uh, individuals, local uh, um, business owners. So it's, it's usually a composite of funding. And it's interesting, just a little extra academic support for a certain community, a certain group of people can go a long way, could actually and is, it sounds like, increasing their graduation rates and really changing their lives. Absolutely. I mean, I you know, before I got into academia, I worked as a social worker for a number of years, and I really feel like this is the best shot we have at addressing the intergenerational cycle of poverty because we have families where nobody's ever graduated. And if we can put some supports in for kids from those families so that they can graduate, then they can be more successful. You know, they can be more successful in terms of, uh, you know, wage earners. Um, And then there's correlations in terms of things like health disparities. The more educated you are and the more resources you have, the more able you are to take care of those things for yourself and for your family. Hmm. Describe some other problems that that are faced by um, you know lower income families that we may not fully grasp as as being such an impediment to breaking this intergenerational poverty issue. Well, I think a lot of schooling services are um, uh, are, are school based health clinics. And I think there are many families that, uh, you know, again, depending on their work schedule, depending on if they have transportation available, may not be able to get children to the doctors whenever they need. Again, I was lucky as a middle-class uh, professional that if one of my kids was sick, I could leave my job, take them to the doctor, didn't worry about losing wages. I had a car that was was usually reliable to be able to do that. But if you don't have your own car and you're dependent on public transportation or you're in an area like a rural area where you don't have public transportation, you have a child that's sick, maybe if they're a little bit sick in the morning, a cold, you're not certain, if you know that you can't get them in the middle of the day if they get sicker, you're going to keep them home. Mm. That child's going to miss school. Whereas if you know there's a school-based health center on site, I could send my child to school if they need an aspirin, they need a nurse practitioner, they need somebody to take care of them, they can do that at school. I can go to work and I can get my wages and my child can, you know, even if they they are managed to get half a day of school, they get that education that they wouldn't otherwise. Mm. And that's 
I mean, that's cars, that's transportation, that's uh, health care, just the decision making. It's the ability to know that you your income won't be deeply affected by mm-hmm. a child's cold one way, one day. Boy, Absolutely. is yeah. talk about and then and then I listen to this as a as a relative. I have relatives that are school teachers, and I think then the school teachers are the ones that end up having to make a lot of these decisions as well because the parents aren't there. Talk about the impact all of this has on the teacher. Yeah, I mean, the goal is for this to be a support for teachers, that increasingly, again, as we get more students in in classrooms that are um, from low-income communities, and, you know, it was maybe in the... uh, uh, you know, last in the in the 1950s, the expectation wasn't that everybody was going to graduate. It was some people will graduate, some won't. Now our goal is for everybody to graduate. Not necessarily everyone go to college, but you know we hope people have the choice to go to college and the resources if they want to. And if that's not the best path for them, they choose a trade or something, then to be able um, to do that. But the goal is to be able to support teachers in the classroom as their job gets more and more difficult so that they can focus on what's their expertise, which is teaching. Mm -hmm. And if they have a student in the class that can't focus because they're hungry, is there a way we could link that family with a a food bank or help those family members, the parents, to get their GEDs or to get jobs so that they can get the food for their child? Um, Or whatever is making it difficult for that child to focus in the classroom or be in the classroom. Powerful stuff. We're speaking with Dr. Lara Bronstein. Uh, She's dean of the College of Community and Public Affairs. She's a professor of social work and executive director of the Institute for Multigenerational Studies at Binghamton University, State University of New York. We'll come back. And uh, when we come back, we'll continue the discussion about taking on and eradicating uh, poverty, intergenerational poverty through school link services powerful new resources actually old resources new insights stick with us this is the matt townsend show helping you see the good in the world Friends of the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us, Dr. Lara Bronstein. She is Dean of the College of Community and Public Affairs, Professor of Social Work, and the Executive Director of the Institute for Multigenerational Studies at Binghamton University, State University of New York. She um, is a, a well-known uh, scholar in, um, in and wrote a wonderful article, A Model for Interdisciplinary Collaboration which has now been cited as one of the top 10 most influential social work articles of the last decade. Dr. Lara Bronstein, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Teach us more about your research. So you've now gone into these these community, these schools, and you're you're identifying the fact that, hey, we can actually eradicate uh, poverty. We can either get rid of it or improve um, the conditions by simply creating uh, schools that are more, I guess, responsive to meeting the needs. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you know, you look at one of the things that perpetuates intergenerational poverty, it's because generation after generation, there's the same lack of lack of resources, whether those are financial or their um, or their or health or whatever kinds of resources they are, and and students who have uh, family members that have not graduated college or less or high school, I'm sorry, are less likely themselves. So once we put in supports for these kids to be able to achieve in the same way as their middle class peers, we have more students that are achieving, more that are graduating, and we have more successful uh, people, uh, better quality of life, um, you know, more people engaged as wage earners in the workforce. Is it is it that the resources are there, um, they just aren't known? They're, you know, they're held in some grant somewhere and the grant needs to be used. Or is it um, because the word that I keep hearing here and reading here is linking. It's it's really about linking the people to the resources. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think the answer is both. Sometimes resources are there, um, but it is a matter of access that people can't get to the resources. So, for example, you know, there may be, there, you know, clinics in the community that, that will serve children, uh, but people can't get to those clinics. They can't get to them the hours they're open. They don't have the transportation to get to them, or they don't know about them. But sometimes there aren't the resources, and then we have to look at how can we create those resources. And then, uh, and then I guess, and, and diagnose and connect and get the, I mean, because too, it sounds like you're also trying to inform very busy parents a lot of times that, that are just trying to stay afloat um, about resources. Many times do you see that the parents aren't as receptive to it uh, just because they don't understand it? Yeah, I think that's the, you know, often the initial response that, you know, most of us have to something we don't understand or to something that's changed or something that, you know, if parents feel like, well, I'm not adequate because I'm not providing this for my children. Um, and so I think it's helping them see that uh, none of us provide, you know, everything that our our children need. And I'm not talking about monetarily. I'm just talking about in all ways, none of us are perfect parents. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, what, what are ways that, uh, you know, the whole notion of it takes a village. Uh, what are ways that we as community members uh, can help support all the children in our community? Is is there a um, – I'm not even sure that this costs more. It doesn't seem like as much as it just takes some seriously creative people. Yeah, I think it's both. I think that it, some of it is creativity. And so, for instance, for us in, at Binghamton University, we're following a model that was developed at the University of Pennsylvania called University Assisted Community Schools, because we believe that universities have resources to bring to bear on community issues like mm. this. And so we have the advantage of a lot of very smart, motivated students that are getting engaged in this work. So that's a resource that we that we have here. But... but it, Often we will uncover resources that need to be developed that we that aren't available, like in rural communities that may not have as n- enough health providers or mental health providers. And so, how can what can we do to actually create? Or you know, oftentimes it is bring funds to bear. Mm. You know, we we believe strongly, those of us that do this work, that that this kind of model of prevention does end up being cost effective in the end. That it prevents. You know, again, it gets more people in the workforce, more people who can. Make Make their own living, more people that are healthy, um, uh, but it but it does take some time to impact. 
This is this is you keep mentioning urban and rural. I mean, this could yeah. be this could be middle America rural and it could be big city urban. Right. So um, what are the different issues that you see happening in urban versus rural areas? Yeah, I mean, certainly in, you know, in, in urban areas, you may have, um, more concentrated things like, uh, like violence, especially in some of the major metropolitan areas, um, but you don't have the issues with transportation or proximity. Whereas in rural areas, often there aren't as many professionals there to provide the services. There's the lack of transportation, uh, for the services. So there are different issues in different communities, which is why we start out with a with a broad needs assessment to see what does this community need, what are its strengths, what is its challenges. It's not a one size fits all. Can you what is going on in your head as you see a transition of leadership in the country? Um, it, it's one thing; it's hard enough for you to just get the point across and to share your research. But then to get uh, to get it picked up and get this institutionalized across the country, is that realistic? How do how do you go about sharing your research so that more and more people's lives can be impacted? Well, I think um, you go on the Matt Townsend radio show. I think um, it's a start. You know, I, I, I think academics, um, you know, we do tend to, you know, publish in peer-reviewed journals where other academics and students will read, but I think more and more, certainly our college, which educates students to, to be involved in the public and nonprofit sector, very much encourage faculty and students to get their work out into the mainstream. You know, this is an issue, you know, community schools and schools, schooling services, it's a bipartisan issue. I mean, it's an issue, you know, who doesn't want to support children? Children, and it is cost effective. It's not may not be cost effective in the first few years when you're putting money in, but ultimately it's cost effective. So with a long view, it's been something that's been supported by people on both sides of the political aisle. Tell us how it how you've seen it change lives. Well, I, I, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, students that, uh, for example, we have a summer program, and uh, we've seen students come through that that summer program and think that they're going to go to the summer program and then they're dropping out of school and be like, oh, my gosh, I really can graduate. One of the things we do in the summer program with middle school kids is we take them to Binghamton University and we take them to SUNY Broome, our local community college. We do overnights there. We have them eat in the cafeteria. We talk to their parents about financial aid opportunities. We make something real for kids that they may have you know, grown up to think is impossible for them. I mean, how that's powerful. And I, I, I just I feel bad in a way because we it's so complicated and we don't understand that the kid next door, uh, they're they're not just lazy. They're not just the parents aren't aren't inattentive and not caring that there's a lot of right. people underwater trying to just survive. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And there are even, you know, some parents that, that that we talk to that say, oh, I didn't think I was supposed to talk to the teacher. I thought that was interfering in the mm. school. I thought that would be insulting to the teacher. So there's all sorts of real concrete as well as um, perceptual things that get in the way of uh, of having everybody be on board and supporting kids the way they need to be supported. Is there something we can do um just as neighbors, as fellow citizens in the community to push for for a more kind of linked, integrated community school? Well, I certainly 
certainly think you can talk to your uh, your school districts, your your leaders in the school districts about it. You can talk to uh, uh, your go- local government officials, and you can also talk with your local universities. I mean, uh, you know, social work programs, for example, are ones that have been involved in this work. Some schools of education have been involved in this work, and uh, you know, even if it's if it's a small start with working with uh, you know one particular school and and having uh, uh, maybe some. Uh, masters of social work or masters of education, or we've also had nurse practitioner students going into a school and working with students there and starting to build programs, and then people get to see the benefits of it. Hmm. I, it seems like too you're onto something really powerful when I when you think of the universities connecting to these schools. Absolutely. Oh, there's so many great resources just in, and how many students need internships or need other opportunities to integrate uh, with with um, the community as well. There's just so much there. Absolutely, absolutely. And our students love doing this work. They love it. And we have gotten students across all uh, different disciplines in our university. So we had a student who was a uh, computer science major who was helping us to build a website. So it's not mm. just the social worker, just the uh, right. education students. It's really anybody. Um, we had students um, who are studying languages here that have gone on and worked with students with, that have um, English as their second language or who are studying languages in the school and done tutoring with them, providing extra support. I mean, really, there, there's no end to this because the links could go everywhere from healthcare to just transportation. I mean, there's, which is every field at a university. Right, absolutely. And certainly academic support um, for tutoring and things mm. like that. Yeah. So if we gave you a magic wand and you could, mm. you know, magically make it appear what what would you do with it, Lara? What would you? How would you set up this this system? Well, I would certainly make you know every uh, every school in the country a community school, and uh, we do a lot of work with the Children's Aid Society in New York City, and that's been their goal for a number of decades: is every school a community school. And I think, again, you know, starting um, with what is that community, where all communities have strengths and all communities have needs. What are the strengths and how do we maximize those strengths? So we feel that in our community, Binghamton University is a strength and we want to, we want to maximize our contribution. There's also needs, and how do we address the needs that are that are there? And so I would, uh, you know, my magic wand would be to have all communities across the country be engaged in these in these discussions and uh, be able to move forward so that the kids aren't their success is not dependent on their zip code. Their mm. success is dependent upon um, on their motivation, on their skill, on the supports they have to be able to be successful. Well, we appreciate you and your great work. Uh, it's a wonderful book as well, School-Linked Services, Promoting Equity for Children, Families, and Communities. Dr. Lara R. Bronstein and Susan E. Mason, um, they're great work there. I mean, if we could just, you don't, ha- I mean, eradicating poverty, that's huge, right? But just networking and community and creating community links between universities and our our educational system, just that could go such a long way. Also, especially, what if we could just have more compassion for poverty and for those that are suffering and understand the complexity of it so that we don't just assume it's a laziness issue or a just a, people that don't care. Wow. It's great to have true experts uh, out there studying this. We will take a break when we come back to a Coach's Corner. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be back. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, um, can do you consider yourself lucky? You should when you think about, I mean, imagine being in a rural town in the middle of the country. You share one car with your spouse. That car's gone all day because you got it. That they've got to get to the you know the oil rig, and they're gone, and the kids are sick. The buses come in the morning. You can send them to school, but you can't necessarily take them to the doctor. You don't have a ride. How on earth are you supposed to get your kids healthy and get them to school and get their grades? And you know, if you've never been to college, you may not even know how to push your kids to college. So it, this is complicated. And it it's so easy for the rest of us to just sit back and think that we're so, you know, on top of our game when in reality you just may have hit the lotto by being born where you were born, right, and raised in a family that going to the university is just expected. And knowing how to write a paper and having the technology to print the paper, it's all really easy. But life is complicated, and we need some serious compassion out there for those that that are struggling from just the basics of having a second car or a car, or for those that have to experience violence in the home. Can you imagine being a child that has to go to school the night before you're ready to go take your biggest test of your life and your parents are fighting? And you're not even sure if you're going to be able to go to school tomorrow because your mom may be, you know, impacted by this fight that she can't watch the kids. So you have to watch the kids. So you can't even go to school. Do, do you do you care that there are people out there suffering like that? This is this is the world, folks, and. Uh, again, we, we talk about the wonderful season and it's the time to give and lots of you know great platitudes, but this is everyday life for a lot of people. And as our last guest taught us, 50% of the kids are struggling with some of these, the inability to get educational health, physical resources, just to succeed in school. 50% of the kids in the country. So think about that this holiday season. What can you do to lift that? What can you do to to contribute better to your community, to create a community school? There's so much good that can be done just in your neighborhood. And if you are more fortunate, if you are blessed to have this, then bless the rest. Let's lift the world. Bring a little light. There's a little coach's corner for you. Bring a little light. It's not just a holiday season thing. Let's bring some light year-round to the lives and, and lives of the people around us. Interesting. Lucky, aren't you? Blessed. We'll take a break. We'll be back. More ideas, more information to help you live longer, love stronger, and be the good in the world. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. 
Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on this side. Today, by the way, Taylor Swift's birthday. You are welcome. You are welcome, Jeff Simpson. Can you just start singing Taylor Swift? No. I'd love to no. play a Taylor Swift song. Why? I was asking you if you've got a Taylor Swift song, and yeah. you said only on my phone. Like you it's only a, have four hundred of her songs. Only in his heart. Only in his heart. Are you a Taylor? Are you a Swifty? You know, I probably couldn't name one of her songs to be honest with you. Teardrops did on she his do, guitar. Or did something. she do yeah. uh, "Party in the USA"? No, that was Miley Cyrus. Oh darn it! Oh, now I'm ashamed. Yeah, that's embarrassing. And I'm ashamed I know that right off the top of my head. It's a, it's a big day. It's Taylor Swift's birthday. It's also former Iraqi President Saddam Hussein was captured uh, in a spider t- hole in Tikrit. I think I can on find a, a song for that one, though. Yeah, there's probably some yeah, songs. Yeah, I think it's the Itsy Bitsy Spider. So he was captured, arrested, and later publicly executed because, yeah. you know. That was a, <laughs> it's the internet. You that can was watch a bad it. day. But yeah, he was found in what's called a spider hole. Which is just a hole in the ground, but yeah, and you can see the photographs. They he looks very disheveled as he's yeah. been hiding in a hole in the ground. Well, it's you got to hide somewhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy, he what really a day! Need, he really needed to comb his hair. We've got so much to talk about. Um, we also have uh, our our roving reporter Shik Shumway will be joining us in a bit to to talk about um, like a make a wish. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in Australia, there's a, a yeah. It's a really so cool he's thing. Going to do Schick's shtick. Schick's shtick. But make a wish. This kid, all he wanted for his make a wish, you know, goal was to just blow some stuff up. So Schick is on yeah. the scene. Wouldn't that be fun to help him blow some stuff up? Kids want to go to Disneyland. They want to go see the fire department or yeah. whatever. This kid wanted to he blow just, some stuff up. What a this is a smart kid yeah. and not get in trouble for go it. Go out yeah. in a controlled situation and just watch stuff explode. So we'll talk about that. Also, sharks and jellyfish. That guy that's trying to swim across the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, it, it was kind yeah. of the. It seemed doomed to fail. <laughs> no way from the very announcement of it. But apparently, he's now struggling through the shark because it's mating season for the sharks. Oh, oh, wow. so he's got to swim right through that. Yeah. Which it's not something you want to swim through. That sounds complicated. Yeah, they're and they're nasty. Um, and then there's the and there's the jellyfish. Yes, you know. just they they sort of group. Mm-hmm. And they'll come after. And you. then there's the grouper. And then there's the grouper, which is up. I just hate getting jelly all over me when I swim next to those fish. Oh, those fish are messy, gross. So we'll get to all of that fun. Plus, have you ever wondered why, when you lose weight, why you can't keep your weight off? This is why I don't even try to lose weight. Usually, I, has something to do with eating more and yeah. exercising less. Cronuts. Yeah, it's what I end up putting in myself. No, but that's actually they're finding out it's it may not be that. It's it, not my fault. It may be that you you may have other things going on. Oh, well, right? I, I know. And maybe your metabolism changes, and then it can't keep burning at that same rate. So then you just gain back the weight. Hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that. It well, really. But is, what if you carry it well? You like you like you you're very thick boned. They no what big boned, <laughs> thick skinned, big boned. Yeah, it's my mom, my doctor. <laughs> they tried to convince me 
at a young age. Yeah, you carry it very well. You carry it well. I'm like, eh, is that a compliment? Do you like it on my front or my back? Yeah, where is that? Um, we'll get to all that fun. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? Thanks, Matt. President-elect Donald Trump has now nominated a third person with Goldman Sachs ties to serve in his White House. On Monday, the president-elect officially announced that he has tapped Goldman Sachs President Gary Cohn to serve as his director of national econ- on the National Economic Council. This morning, Trump announced ExxonMobil Chief Rex Tillerson as his nominee to serve as Secretary of State and former Governor Texas Governor Rick Perry as Energy Secretary. Also, this yes. is actually breaking news out of the last 10 minutes. Wow. Kanye West uh-huh. was seen walking through the lobby at Trump Tower. Oh, he's probably lost. No idea. No, he walked right over, right into the, the official Trump elevator, and up he went. Is he going to be in his cabinet somewhere? Interesting. And maybe this is... Uh... He mentioned a 2020 run. Oh, I don't know what's going on here. So Kanye West, seen at Trump Tower. He's probably getting advice about how to handle Kim. Could be. Who knows? Yeah. Trump's good with uh, handling wives, I, I don't know. No. Well, did, but his daughter, his daughter loves, loves the and women's knows issues. women's and, issues. And he did say that if he voted, he would have voted for Trump. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> then he had the emotional collapse, was in the yeah. hospital, all that. So, uh, Donald Trump has won the recount in Wisconsin. Official, the officials announced on Monday, certifying the president-elect as the 2016 v- victor in the Badger State. Victor in the Badger State. Victor in the Badger State. The recent spearheaded, uh, or the recount spearheaded by Green Party candidate Jill Stein called into question Trump's narrow victory in the state. Only 22,000 votes, by the way. Badgers? 22,000 votes. We don't need no stinking badgers. Pennsylvania officials also certified Trump's victory on Monday. The states, however, had rejected Stein's request for a recount. So the recount's probably done now. Um, Unless Michigan. So, but he gained votes, right? Yeah, they found a few more. That was a bummer. So what's the deficit now on the popular vote? It's like 2.5 million. Oh. I think it grew. I mean, but but I I like to say a scarce, a scant 2.5 million. Right. They have been calling it a landslide electoral college victory. It's actually like the 48th, but, you know, details. Yeah. What are you going to call it? Teenagers in the U.S. are apparently better behaved than they they have been in the last 40 years. According to a new monitoring the future survey, young people are drinking and smoking less as well as doing fewer drugs. That is great news. With marijuana use dropping among 8th graders through 10th graders. Researchers don't know why this is happening. That's crazy. So what? They're not drinking. They're not doing drugs like they used to. Right. Well, what is their problem? I don't know. And they don't know either. They don't I, know if it's it's some social thing. Is it just because the the kids are getting better education in school or it was just sort of a... It's, t- it's cell phones. Honestly, they don't care. Cell phones are so inebriating that you don't even need drugs anymore. I right. think I think everything from now on in the next four years that is good can be accredited to Donald Trump. There we go. Good point. Finally, on Monday, the LA Rams fired head coach Jeff Fisher. Yeah, he, uh, he has the record as the uh, he's tied for the record for the most losingest coach in NFL history with 165 career losses. Wow. The interesting point of this, he signed a contract extension on the 4th of December. He did. Yeah. So they extended his contract and then they fired him and then they fired him like a week blowout. later. But they still have to pay him. Yeah. So many people feel that was some sort of payout for getting the moving the team to Los Angeles. It's their first season in Los Angeles. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we're good. This is horrible. You're out. Welcome to L.A. You are terminated. It was a transfer fee. But now he gets he's paid and he gets to go to the beach. You don't want to see him at the beach. Oh, great point. 
Great point. Happy Taylor Swift birthday. Mm. She's 12. How old is she now? <laughs> 12. She's in her 20s. Yeah. She's an adult marketing to kids. Apparently she was born in 1989. Yes. Hence the so album she just put out. she's 27, 28? Man. 27, I think. I graduated in 87. Yeah. Makes you feel old? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it awkward listening to her music? Yeah, I can't even do it. Okay, just saying. Can't even listen to it. Don't really relate, do you? Makes me feel weird inside. Hey, uh, we were talking about sharks and jellyfish. A British man aiming to be the first person to swim across the Atlantic, which, why? Here's some sound of his swimming. Hmm. Boy, it's going to take a long time. Ah! Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Jellyfish! There's some guy. He brought his own strings. There's a, a string section with yeah. him on the ocean. Well, in an oboe, it sounds like. Yeah, there's an oboe. By the way, playing an oboe out in the ocean, that's mm. hard. Too much water gets in. Mm-hmm. It's like oboe, oboe, oboe your boat. Gently, never mind. No. Um, no. Hey, that was, that was half good. No, not really. <laughs> that was bad. He, he set out November 13th, but he's only swum. Uh, swum? He's, he's done swam. It's, it's, 67 he, he nautical miles. Swam. <laughs> it's the European prince. Yeah. He swam. Has, he, has, he has swum 67 nautical swam, miles. Mom. Really? Yeah. He's got a you, lot. He's supposed to go 3,200 kilometers hmm. from Senegal to Brazil. Okay. And he's only 67 nautical miles into it. He's is, in, is he going to swim? Well, was the plan to swim through that toxic bay outside of Rio? or? Well, I, I think you could just get out there and walk. The rest across in. the because it's pretty. There's couches floating by. Yeah. So. <laughs> I just catch a couch and float my way in. All right. So he's apparently at this rate, he will not arrive till early 2018. Wow. Could you spend that much time in the ocean and survive? But he's he's in trouble because he's got to swim through shark breeding grounds near Brazil. Mm. And the, you know the mothers tend to protect their young. I don't know if you know about that. Did Did he plan ahead? I think he did. He brought he brought two speedos. Because mating season for animals is usually, you know, cyclical. You could time this thing out, know when not to go swimming through a specific area. Now, how do you know this? I, science. People study you these things. Discovery Channel. Yeah, Discovery Channel. I think by 2018, he's going to develop his own gills, so he won't even yeah. need to get out of the water at that point. You think by that time too, he will have built up an immunity to all of these jellyfish. <laughs> After a while, you get you used to I mean? it, right? Yeah. Like, come on. Toughen up, man. Toughen up. A uh, young cancer patient wishes to blow stuff up, and so his dream comes true thanks to the federal uh, police of Australia. They're going to help him blow it up. This is basically three forces have joined. Make-A-Wish Foundation has joined with the Australian Federal Police Department and uh, and this young man's family, who's who's he's a 12-year-old cancer patient and he all he wants to do is blow stuff up so we thought let's send shik shumway hmm. to go interview the guy the day he's blowing everything up here is shik Chick's phone's ringing. Yeah. Chick? 
We, we still need to have that conversation about natural sound. And I think we just good, lost. It's good to have the natural sound, but get away from it to do your report. He, he, it was like a ten-minute interview, but I think we the audio cut out there. Did you did you listen to this interview before? It's you know it sounded good. I only had one side of the headphones working though. Yeah, you thought and, the other side was picking it up. Yeah, that's like the third time. Shit. Yeah, he's just too close to it. He he just. I mean, I get the reporter wants to kind of get as close to the story as they can, but yeah. he's like right in the middle of it. I hope he's okay. He keeps coming back. Yeah. I feel bad. I, I wanted to hear the kid. I wanted to hear the kid talk you didn't, about. You didn't hear him in there? Oh, was he? It was did, quite touching. What did he say? Um, it was, I, my ears are still ringing. I couldn't decipher what, exactly what he was saying, but I assume it was sweet. Yeah. The police said that the, the kid's got aptitude. He know this guy knows how to blow stuff up. Clearly. Did you hear that? I, I heard it. I, so are they going to keep an eye on him as oh, yeah. things move forward? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch out for that. He's guy. got a talent. He for had this. some timed bombs in there. He had. It what almost sounded like a, a was, nuclear. No, it wasn't. Well, it nuclear. was a cell phone. I think his cell phone just kept going off. Was that Schick's cell phone? No, that was the timed bomb. Oh, those were timed bombs. Yeah, one of them was. I don't know my bombs very well. Uh, it's a. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. Well, good for him. I mean, that's if you if you got to suffer with cancer, you may as well blow something up. That sounds like fun to me. That was great. <laughs> hey, will you make sure next time we send Schick out that we tell him maybe more focus more on the audio of the person and less on the on the actual bomb? Well, I think we found that the ratings go up when we have stories about explosions. And air horns. Who who found that out? Uh, Schick told I, me. I, I didn't get that memo. Schick told me. Okay, have Schick write that up and send that in. Um, arson suspect. This is crazy. A man accused of lighting brush fires in North Carolina maintains uh, that to a federal forestry agent that he'd done it because he wanted a little excitement in his life. Hmm. He said, I was just bored. Keith Eugene Mann said when he was confronted about the fires, um, he was just bored. And he just thought, you know, lighting a fire would pick up his day. Maybe he needs a special event to go light things on fire so he can yeah. get that, I, I guess, scratch that itch. Fourth of July is what we yeah. call that. <laughs> but he needs something more reoccurring. Well, what Maybe he weekly. probably needs is a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I'm bored. He just needs a hobby, like a video game. Apparently, investigators found wooden matchsticks near each fire. One that was started on the 27th, another on the 22nd. Not Cheetos. Not Cheetos. Interesting. Not kindling Cheetos. Anyway, he would uh, re- he would re- stack kitchen matches, then he'd light them on fire. Oh, yeah, yeah. And apparently, the blaze got away from him. By the way, if I lived in Macon County, I think I would own a bacon... Company. Making bacon. Making bacon. What you making? Bacon. Let's try that again. And then I'm bringing home the bacon, making bacon. Hey, so w- where do you work, Jeff? Well, I work at the making bacon store. Really? What do you make? Bacon. Do they pay well? We have the maple making bacon flavor. Oh, I love the maple making bacon. Good stuff. 
We will take a break, my friends. When we come back, we'll be talking about why so many people regain weight after dieting. And I'm going to tell you, it has something to do with the uh, maple bacon bacon. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. A new year is just around the corner, my friends, and uh, a common New Year's resolution is to work off those extra pounds that you gain during Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners. The strategy seems simple, right? Just exercise to burn more calories and reduce your caloric intake. Bada boom, bada bing. The next thing you know, you're just losing weight. It's just sloughing off of you, right? Many studies, though, now show that the simple strategy doesn't work well for the majority of people. Here with us today to talk about it is Dr. Kenneth McLeod, Director of the Clinical Science and Engineering Research Laboratory at Binghamton University. Dr. Kenneth McLeod, thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the invite. So you bet. This is this was really interesting. And then I love your credentials because you received a PhD in electrical engineering from MIT, but now you're solving the problems of why we can't why we gain our weight back after we lose it how how did you get into the weight loss world ken <laughs> yeah it's it's strange the tortuous path that careers can take um i i spent many years at uh, the stony brook medical university studying osteoporosis and we were trying to understand the etiology of uh, osteoporosis which is not a disease per se it's what we call a condition or a functional disorder um it's defined by the fact you, your your bone tissue is just fine. It looks normal, except you don't have enough of it. Um, and so it's a classic adaptation issue. And we were working on trying to figure out how um, this adaptation process works, which got us looking at fluid flow in the lower part of the body because osteoporosis is really something that we think about in, in the hips and, and lower down in the body. Um, and that got me looking at... Um, how fluid pools into the lower limbs and how that unpooling should occur, and, and which led me to um, learning about the, the secondary hearts, the soleus muscles um, down in the calf of the legs. Um, and then that, that led me into a long series of studies related to what happens when your soleus muscles, your secondary hearts, fail. Okay, talk um, about the secondary heart. You keep using the term. We have... We have Two pumping systems I'm learning from you. One is the heart, but then in this is it the soleus muscles in the calves, you're calling it the secondary heart. It's another pumping muscle. It is. It, it's a specialized muscle, very much like the heart is a specialized muscle. Uh, it has these venous sinuses um, in the interior. And so your soleus muscles, as we sit or stand, slowly fill with uh, both blood, venous blood, as well as what we call interstitial fluid, or what you might think of as lymphatic fluid. Um, and then every couple of minutes, that muscle will slowly contract and push all of that back up to the heart. Um, this is something we need because humans are very tall animals. We don't think of ourselves as very large animals, but um, the larger animals all tend to be quadrupeds or on all fours. And so our heart is way up high in our chest. Um, we have very soft skin. Gravity grabs all the fluid in our body and just 
pulls it all down. Um, and if we didn't have a, a specialized muscle to pump all that fluid back to the heart, um, we would also have to be a quadruped or even worse, um, you know, lay on the ground. Yeah. So talk about what this has to do with weight loss. I lose weight, and I one of the studies that you were involved in, which fascinates me, involved four contestants from the world's biggest loser reality show, and that you that you tracked. But these four contestants, thirty weeks later, they on average lost 125 pounds, but thirty weeks later they had gained back most of their weight, and it has something to do with these the secondary heart. Well, it's, it's, it really isn't well understood why people can't um, lose weight, uh, when they lose weight, why they can't retain that lost weight. Um, by the way, I was involved in that study. That study was done at the National Institutes of Health, mm. um, and they tracked 14 people over six years. There you go, yeah. Um, but, the, um, but there's this phenomenon called metabolic adaptation, and when you lose weight, your resting metabolic rate drops. And it's not well understood why that occurs, but it's, it's hugely important because most of our energy burn over the course of the day is just due to resting metabolism, um, just keeping our organs alive. Um, there's no question we move around a little bit, we exercise a little bit, but for most of us, probably 80% of the calories we burn every day are just burned while we're doing what you and I are doing right now, just sitting at our desks. Um, and so small changes in your rest and metabolic rate can have just an enormous influence on whether you gain or lose weight. So what happens after you lose weight is that your resting metabolic rate drops. In the study you're referring to, it dropped almost 30% in those contestants. And so that would be the equivalent of saying eating 30% more food every day. Mm. Um, that's really what happens to those individuals. So they lose their, their resting metabolic rate goes down, and then, um, but it doesn't stay down once they've lost the weight. It does stay down. Oh, it does stay lost. down. It does stay down. And that's the issue then, because now you're metabolizing um, at a much lower rate, and so you're burning many fewer calories. So if you just try to eat normally, you're going to gain weight. Mm. Um, and that's the issue is what, what, that's the issue we're addressing um, and it's not that we work specifically in the field of, of obesity research. Um, we work in the world of, of, of secondary heart physiology. Uh, and, but that is tied directly into this whole question of resting metabolic activity. So that's the, the link there between our research and the research on, uh, on obesity and how weight loss leads to metabolic adaptation. So that's the connection. Okay. There. So if the I guess the idea is if we it's really all about the resting metabolic rate and you want to see if you can't keep that consistently up so you're burning calories while you're sitting there except when people lose a lot of weight that tends to drop. That's exactly right. And you and you're saying there's there you are finding some science about the secondary heart and the soleus muscles that might be contributing to some of that. Exactly right. What we find is that when we're resting, we're sitting, for example, or even standing quietly, um, people can pull fluid at, at very different rates. And in a half an hour, some people will pull 30 to 50% of the fluid in their body into their legs. Well, if all this fluid is in your body, it is not getting back to your heart. And your heart can only pump out what comes back to it. 
the venous return to the heart critically determines your cardiac output. And your cardiac output determines your rest of metabolic rate. So if a third of the blood in your body goes into your feet, that means your cardiac output is going to drop by a third, and that means your rest of metabolic rate is going to drop by a third. So we're very interested in what can we do to ensure that your venous return is sustained while we're just sitting, standing around, um, and, and in maintaining cardiac output, we can maintain resting metabolic rate. So that's, that's the linkage there. Ensure that you have good venous return, that's going to ensure cardiac output, and that's going to ensure rest of metabolic rate, and that's going to ensure a high caloric burn. Yeah. That's going to ensure that you can maintain your weight. Is this, because in the study that was done by the National Institute of Health, it was, um, th- these were people that lost 125 pounds, and I know in the research, one of the things they're finding that is we have, these people then have more skin, they have more uh, places, I guess, where the fluids could accumulate, and so... I guess when you lose weight, you've got more mass, and the mass takes time to come back or to 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 be eliminated. So, do you need surgery in order to eliminate all the excess skin and all of this extra space to hold the fluids? Do you have to tighten up the whole body in order to get the the systems pumping, you know, more efficiently? Well, there is evidence to suggest that that would work. Absolutely. Um, it's it's more commonly done, um, at, you know, following bariatric surgery, where people have um, lost in that same you know one or two hundred pounds um, due to um, the uh, the response to the bariatric surgery, and a subset of those will opt because they now have all this excess skin. They will opt to go through plastic surgery to have that skin removed, and when they do have that skin removed. Um, the probability of them regaining weight is dramatically reduced, significantly reduced. So your suggestion is absolutely right. If you get rid of that excess skin, you remove that that potential volume for pooling fluid, um, then it's, un- it's less likely you're going to pool fluid, and therefore you're going to be able to maintain your cardiac output and your rest of metabolic rate. So that that is a good. It's not necessarily a practical suggestion mm. for most people, um, but it is used by a subset of people who have undergone substantial weight loss. Is is this are these the same facts? Is it is it the same? I guess we have the same resting metabolic rate issues with somebody that's maybe just lost twenty pounds. Um, yes, uh, and we have that metabolic rate issue with people who haven't necessarily lost weight; they're gaining weight um, again because as they um, sit at work, they're pooling fluid, their cardiac output drops. Um, one of the first things you notice when your cardiac output is dropping and your rest of metabolic rate drops, is your cold. Um, mm. You're in a nice room. I don't know what, you know, our offices here at the university are kept at 70 degrees, which is reasonably pleasant. Um, but in fact, a, a remarkable number of individuals here at the university are cold all the time at work. And you look under their desk and they have an under-desk space heater. So if you're cold at work, that's a pretty good indicator that you're pooling fluid and your um, cardiac output's dropping and therefore your rest of metabolic rate is dropping. And so you're probably going to be gaining weight. And that, that happens to the majority of us over our, over our careers. Um, you know, the people are trying to lose weight then. Um, it's a kind of a double whammy because the system is trying to force you to gain weight. You're actually trying to, you know, not only just not gain weight but lose weight. Um, so it's doubly hard. And then once you lose the weight and you go through 
this metabolic adaptation, um, keeping that weight off becomes extremely difficult. Hmm. So is, is this why we hear more and more uh, people talking about the fact that you need to stand up more, that you need to be moving more? We talk about standing desks now and, uh, you know, st- sitting is the new is the old smoking. I don't know if you've heard all of these terms. Is it, is it the need to stand? We need to be standing more? It's good to get up and move. Um, standing quietly is actually a bit harder on you than sitting um, in that you're taller. I mean, you've, you've increased your height by the length of your femur. Right. Um, and so that means the gravitational forces um, on the column of fluid in your body is greater, um, and you're going to pull a little more quickly. But if you're moving around, if you get up, you know, I know the NIH encourages you to get up and move every half hour or something like that now. Um, and so th- that's one approach. That's obviously a good approach. Exercise is wonderful, aerobic capacity. Um, you know, how much bosses like um, their employees getting up and, you know, wandering for 10 minutes every half hour, um, you know, would have a, probably a pretty significant impact <laughs> on um, productivity. And so that's why we have been looking at, you know, alternative approaches to um, the standing up or walking around, or um, and and so we've been figuring out how can we how can we retrain the soleus muscles because what happens after years and years of sitting is your soleus muscle. I'll put this in the context, I guess, of holiday dinners. Um, we you think of your turkey. Um, there's dark meat and white meat, mm-hmm. and that's red muscle and white muscle. And your soleus muscle it should be mostly red muscle, red muscle fiber. Um, we call it type 2A muscle fiber. Um, and that what happens over time is that red muscle fiber converts into more of a white muscle fiber. And that's not good. Um, and because your soleus muscle has to sustain these contractions throughout the day. So what we want to do is convert these white muscle fibers back to being red muscle fibers. Um, and that requires a different type of exercise than your typical exercise if you were training up like your biceps or your triceps or your quadriceps. Um, you know, think of the soleus, it's a, what we call a deep postural muscle. So you could think of it um, like your neck muscles. You know, so how do you train up your neck muscles? You know, and the gist of it is you lift up your head in the morning and you hold your head up for 16 hours and then you rest it at night. Right. That's, you know, it's low-level activity, but it's sustained activity. And that's what deep postural muscles need. They need that kind of sustained um, uh, contraction, stimulation. Um, so what would be, what's really good for your soleus muscles is um, squatting, for example. Um, when you squat, your soleus muscle is what you're using to maintain your balance, to keep you from tipping over. Hmm. Um, st- standing on your toes is, is quite excellent. Um, we often find that women who regularly wear a very high heel – um, have excellent soleus muscles. I don't recommend necessarily yeah. high heels very hard on your toes and your feet, but they have amazing soleus muscles. Um, so those are the kinds of things where we're talking hours a day of stimulation, um, and so that's what you have to somehow incorporate into your lifestyle. And that's not easy no. for most people. And it's interesting, and it's not even – but to, to think of this as what's you know impacting our um, our – our resting metabolic rate, our RMR, is, I mean, it's it's amazing, and yet we we hear about our metabolism, and you got to watch it and pay attention to it. But to know that you, those little exercises could be making a big difference, uh, it's important. Let's take a break. 
We're speaking with Dr. Kenneth McLeod about his research um, on why so many people regain their weight after dieting. It, uh, it might be we need to introduce the secondary heart, the one that's in your legs that you didn't even know you were using to keep your resting metabolic rate up. I will continue the discussion when we come back. Stick with us, folks. Helping you live longer, love stronger. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone is Dr. Kenneth McLeod. Ken McLeod uh, is what he goes by, and he is director of the Clinical uh, Science and Engineering Research Laboratory at Binghamton University. By the way, Dr. McLeod, you're the second Binghamton professor we've had on the show today. What is going on in Binghamton? You guys are killing it. Hey, um, and you're talking us through some interesting research about why people regain weight after dieting. And it really comes down to our resting metabolic rate. So when people are losing weight, um, their metabolism's high, it's good, they're burning uh, calories as they sit there, the, the weight is just sloughing off, I assume. But what you're finding is after people lose weight, then a lot of times the resting metabolic rate drops and um, they have pooling of, uh, of fluids and it makes it so they end up gaining weight back. Correct. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Okay. So, and you're saying we, and part of it is because of our soleus muscles in our legs, um, they have to push the fluid up it back to our heart, which is hard because as humans, we're pretty tall individuals um, relative to the other animals that are on quadrupeds, four legs. Um, but is it... So what? So I should pay attention to my metabolic rate and figure that out and, and pay attention to it. And then I really need to be doing whatever I can to decrease fluids that are pooling in me and increase my secondary heart's ability to push the fluids up through the heart so that my metabolic rate stays high. That's the gist of it, right. So if you have, um, you know, when some people lose weight, their metabolic rate, does not drop at all. In fact, in some people, it'll go up a little bit. Um, some people it will plummet. And so we see quite a variation in people's ability to um, maintain weight loss. But the, the trend is that when you lose weight, your metabolic rate drops, and most people really struggle to maintain lost weight. Um, and so that's really the, the question we're, we're addressing. What, what is different? What is special about that group? Um, and that is the group we find um, pool pretty extensively um, while they're resting, which is how most of us spend most of our lives. The average American sits 13 hours a day. I mean, 86%, I think it is, of Americans sit all day long at work. And then you add in your eating time, you add in your car travel time, and you add in leisure time, watching TV. Um, and that's up to about 13 hours a day. So th- this is why we say you, you're metabolic activity is largely dominated by resting metabolic activity. Um, And so there are some simple signs that if you're a pooler or not, um, if you have varicose veins, you're a pooler. If you have swollen ankles and legs, you're a pooler. Um, If uh, uh, your hands and feet are cold when you're at work, you're a pooler. Um, So so those would be indications that you really do want to be concerned about your RMR 
and do what you can do to um, to try to improve the condition of your soleus muscles. Because and, and and you're saying there are things you can do. Like, I mean, I some re, some fluid retention is isn't it because of salt or sodium in the diet? Isn't it heart conditions as well? I mean, aren't there other reasons? But I guess those are also reasons why you would pool and reasons why you wouldn't be able to maintain the weight. Right. I mean, congestive heart failure. You know, if you if your heart is cannot pump. Um, then, uh, then you will pool fluid. But heart failure is relatively rare. About 3% of Americans have heart failure. So the vast majority of people who are struggling to maintain their weight probably do not have heart failure. Um, and if your doc is concerned you have heart failure, they're going to do a cardiac workup. But you know what we have found is that when you go into the hospital, they do a cardiac workup, they say, well, your heart is just fine. You know, we just We don't know why you're pooling all this fluid. Um, get compression stockings, you know, put your feet up, you know, on your desk at work, which may or may not work depending on the work environment. Um, the, uh, and, and often physicians are at a loss. And, and the gist of the reason is that cardiac workups are done when you're lying down, you know, when you're flat on your back. Right. When you're flat on your back, you don't need a soleus muscle. Um, your, your heart can pump the fluid around just fine. It's when we're upright, when we're sitting quietly, we're standing quietly, that's when your soleus muscle kicks in. And so you really need to do a cardiac workup when you're upright. Um, so um, it, that's... it almost seems like it's because, you know, everyone that's losing weight is probably used to running or exercising. They're on their feet. They, they're on their feet. They go exert. They, um, but you're saying it's, it's the other 14 hours of the day that are really costing you your ability to keep the weight off. It very much is, yeah. It's dominated by that relatively sedentary time that our um, our modern work life, work um, work home life, um, forces us into in, in many ways. So yes, that is the critical time when we're sitting. I mean, your sitting time is most of your day, mm-hmm. and that's what we're, we're interested in. So, so there are a number of interventions. You know, as we we talked about, a you know, great one um, is Tai Chi. Um, you know, Tai Chi is a type of exercise geared to training up your deep postural muscles. It's holding poses for extended periods of time. Um, it's all about balance, uh, those those kind of things. So Tai Chi is excellent. Um, many people don't care for it. It is obviously time-consuming. Anything you're doing to train up your postural muscles is going to be very time-consuming, and people really struggle um, to, to fit it into their, uh, it's- into their life. That's interesting because I mean we do see more and more people liking yoga um, and but and Tai Chi I guess would would be an interesting form of uh, of just muscle strengthening but it's 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 usually not a major part of someone's diet and yet it may be a major part of being able to keep the pounds off that's interesting yes very much so but as we started out you were at the very beginning of the conversation you said. This is very strange for an engineer to be working in this field, yeah. you know, physiology. And so, but I am an engineer, and of course, what engineers do is, you know, try not to judge people's lifestyles or whatever, but give them tools that they need to live the life they want to need and so live. And so, um, you know, so we have been working for the last decade or so trying to come up with a convenient way to help people maintain their their soleus muscles while they do what they do, and that doing happens to be sitting. Um, so, how can we? keep the soleus muscles activated when we're not moving around. 
And that's been a major focus of our work here uh, in the lab at Binghamton. Very practical. What What are some other things? Tai Chi, anything else we could be doing to to make sure we're we're working the soleus muscles? Okay, so we, um, we talked about squatting, which is very good. Um, toe standing is quite excellent. Um, high heels, which can work, I guess, if you've Definitely for women, although if you've seen the show Kinky Boots, I guess it can work for some types of men as well. <laughs> Scary. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Tai Chi. Um, but, uh, you know, that captures usually a small, um, you know, small subset. And so, you know, this, this is why we've, we've developed technology here in the lab, which actually ended up um, being licensed by a spin-off and, and it's you know commercially available now, a, a device that you can put under your desk and it will it stimulates. There's a reflex arc that will cause the soleus muscle to contract, a postural reflex arc, and if you stimulate the front, what's called the frontal plantar surface or the front of your sole of your foot, you can stimulate that at a specific frequency and amplitude, and you can get your soleus muscle to contract. And so the basic idea is you can sit at work and you can be exercising your soleus while you sit and work, talk on the phone, work on your computer, read a book, watch television. Um, and so that's probably at this point the easiest way, we think, to, to train up your soleus. And it's, it's um, literally stimulating electrically your, the, your, that muscle? We can do it both ways, uh, electromagnetically or, or mechanically. The device that's on the market, um, it, it's called the Heart Partner, for perhaps obvious reasons. Um, the Heart Partner is a mechanical device, so it mechanically stimulates what are called mechanoreceptors on the front of the foot, and that stimulates the reflex arc. Um, and you can use it all day long. It's like a pacemaker that you would have for the cardiac muscle. It's a pacemaker for the soleus muscle. So what it does... It stimulates for roughly a minute, and then it pauses. It allows that muscle to refill with fluid, blood and interstitial fluid, um, for about two minutes, and then it's going to stimulate again. So it, the, it, it's very much like a cardiac ma- pacemaker, but the dynamics are very different. Hmm. Your, your soleus works almost in slow motion compared to your heart, which is contracting every one second or so. That's great, though. I mean, and again, it's... It's something just to have the knowledge and to, to be able to pay attention to, to this new learning. Well, we appreciate your time, Dr. Kenneth McLeod. Thank you for your, your research, your great work in trying to help us uh, exercise the secondary heart, the soleus muscles, and uh, keep the weight off, for heaven's sakes. Interesting insight. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. When we come back, we'll be talking about how you can help your college students, your high school students survive finals weeks. Uh, you know, they're going through it. And if you've noticed your college students going a little crazy on you, odds are it's finals. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Well, this time of year is incredibly busy for most families for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, moms and dads are shopping while the kids are being drowned in homework and final exams to get ready for the holidays. So with all this stress and busyness, what can parents really do to help their students, both young and old, survive the stressful school time and still feel the holiday spirit? Joining us is Caitlin Thomas, one of our producers. She's here to help us walk through some tips. Hi. How are you? You're not stressed by the... 
I am. Uh, this time of year, are you? I am. It's finals week for me. What's wrong with your voice? What's wrong with your voice? Nothing. Yeah. See? It's pleasant. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. So it's finals week for a lot of college students, but... For those that, of those listening that don't have college students, even high school students, they got a lot to they got get a lot done. of testing because it's going to be the semester midterms, getting, right? Right, and then even elementary school kids, I've noticed they've started testing them and giving them tons of homework this Ugh, time of year. Kids, which I just think is crazy. I think it's wrong. Well, sure, because you're in the midst of it, but when you're out of it, you're like different it's because my semester's ending. Yeah, see, high school and elementary school, junior high kids, they're not necessarily ending; they just like to throw a bunch of stuff at them so that yeah. they're busy over the break. But I know that parents, it's really hard because their kids are grumpy and they want them to be happy because it's Christmas. Sure. And this year in Utah, like most of the elementary school and high school kids have school up until the 23rd. Ugh. They don't even get a break until two days before Christmas. Come on. So here's some things. Come I, on. I got an article okay. off of a local um, online news source and then i wrote a couple of tips of my own of what parents can do what are they so here's the first one make sure that as a parent you're being an advocate for sleep healthy eating and exercise there you go make sure they're exercising eating right even college students won't do that unless you remind them no it's so true um maybe even help them plan out their study schedule yeah maybe make a study plan for your high school or junior high student who's really stressed out and doesn't know how to organize. You know, they're still not very mature yet. Like, maybe sit down and make a little calendar. Yeah, help them figure help out, them out how to do it. My mom, she'll email my brother's teachers and get a list of all the assignments, and then she puts it in a little study calendar for him. That's good. That's it's nice. effective because yeah. then he can just check things off every day, and then it doesn't seem so bad. Right, that's good. Um, okay, don't call too much. Like, don't call if your like child's away at college. Like, if, you're, like if your child's away at college, or even if your child's in high school and they say, Hey, Mom, I'm going to go to the library or... Like, I'm going to be in my room studying. Like, leave them alone. Yeah. Like, as give a parent, some space. Like, give them some time to actually study. Because you're in the hopes, right, that they're going to turn off their phone and not yeah. be distracted. Especially for someone in college. Like, my friend's in nursing school, and she has finals this week. And she's got, I think, 10 tests or something. Like, huge textbooks worth of stuff. So she really just needs someone to let her turn her phone off and just focus. That's cool. Let her do her thing. That's great so don't advice. call yeah. too much. Call a little bit. Just check up or shoot Maybe a text. text. Say, hey, hey, love you. Supporting. Just trying to be supportive. Yeah. Don't screw this test up don't. or we're going to you not come <laughs> home for the you. holidays. <laughs> yeah. But like, or for your high school kids, let them know what resources are available. You know, there's a tutoring center. Right. And a writing lab. Oh, yeah. Students probably have no idea these things exist because we don't go looking for them unless we and desperately need them. And some kids just don't know how to do it. They right. just don't know how to focus. Is there a napping lab? No, but I'm pretty sure they have these rooms now full of puppies so that students <gasps> who are feeling major anxiety can go pet a puppy. Mm. Really? A puppy lab? Puppy lab. I love labs. But is, apparently, is it full of Labradors? Yeah. I hope so. Okay. It's the puppy lab. The puppy lab. So go find the resources available for your kid. Help them out a little bit. I know you have a life and you're stressed, but help your kid out a little yeah. bit. You're going to pay for it one you way know, or another. Find find a counselor if they have some major anxiety. Like find some options yeah. for your kids. You know, help it's them good get advice. through it. Um, take some time to look at your student. I was thinking about this one and determine your kid's learning style. That's good because that's something that most parents probably know a lot better than kids do. Yeah. Because parents know their kids better than kids know themselves. How do they like to learn and how don't they? I mean, there's some yeah. things kids do that are 
counterintuitive to yeah, learning. Definitely counterproductive. Yeah. Help them out. Maybe sit them down and explain to them kind of what you have learned from watching your kid and say, hey, like, this probably isn't working because you don't learn very well this yeah. way. Let's try something new. That's cool. I think it'll help your kid because we're not thinking about that. Mm-mm. Maybe no. a college student is a little more aware of that, but at elementary school, junior high students, there's no way. Right now. You know what I mean? I That's totally, a good thing moms and dads That's can do. That's great advice. Um, Are you a seer, a hearer? How do you want to Yeah, visual experience? learner. Yeah. Do you need to listen to it? Do we need to, you know, ask your Go teacher if we it. can record yeah. the, the final review? Whatever. And then the last one, which is my, what my mom is famous for, yeah. and all parents should do, is if you have a college student, most colleges offer... Like, you can purchase a final survival kit. Oh, really? And they'll mail them to your house. And my mom did that when we when I was in college all the time. She purchased it through the college, and then the college mailed it to my house. What is it? It's, like, full. It's, like, a note from my mom was in there. It's full of treats and test-taking supplies. Oh, how neat. Yeah, and so it's just, like, someone, th- someone was thinking of me. Oh. But then I think, like, if That's your really kid's good. in high school or even younger and they're stressed out, like, make them a little gift. and Take them a little nothing treat. Nothing expensive because yeah. it's Christmas time, right. I know. But just leave it on their bed and say, hey, thank Thinking of you, hope you're doing well, and That's it does great. build a lot of confidence. That's great advice. There you go. And you know, and you're just saying, I love you. I think they exactly. throw a couple of zombie apocalypse things in the kit just yeah. for good measure. Just in case it all goes bad. Yeah, just in case the finals actually don't matter. Well done, Caitlin. That's really great advice but for all y'all. Help them out so we can fill the spirit by the end of this week. Thank you. That's great advice. Caitlin Thomas is her name. Yes. We'll be back. Stick with us, folks. See ya. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Or bottom of the morning, depending on where you are. Or just say, hi, how are you? Hi, Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on this side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we give you the information, the tools, the ideas, the things you need to live healthier, happier lives, and some stories you don't even need to know. But we'll give them to you anyways. Yeah, because if we don't give them to you, who else will? Mm. We're here because we care. We are going to do an update. Um, Shik Shumway is on scene live with a young man who um, has is basically doing a make-a-wish wish, and his wish is to be able – he's suffering from cancer. He's 12 years old. His goal is to blow some things up. So we will go to Shik Shumway, find out, uh, do a quick interview of that. I mean we, we did it last hour, but um, – We've been able to give Schick some more advice about how to do – I don't want to tell him how to do his job, but he is a he's a reporter. So he's going to be reporting live at the Make-A-Wish explosions for this boy. I've, I've been told the audio levels will be better this okay, time. That's good. That's good. Because last, last time it was a little hard to hear, Schick. So this time he's going to – he says he's going to yell. All right. Well, we'll see get, what happens. We'll get to that today. It is also Taylor Swift's birthday. Which um, I know Terry won't stop talking about. Yeah. She was born in 1989. She's also the new spokeswoman for the Swiffer Swift. Yeah, the Swiffer Picker Upper Swift. Hmm. 
Good stuff. It's a great um, product. It's also the day, December 13th, is the day we celebrate former Iraqi President Saddam Hussein being captured in Tikrit. We celebrate or it happened? I think we're just commemorating. Okay. The great. What are your Saddam traditions in your family? <laughs> um, it doesn't quite fit. Yeah. We don't. No. We don't celebrate like we used to. Does it involve a tree or no. like some mistletoe or anything like that? No, nothing like okay. that. Okay. It's weird. Uh, we actually usually get just some sticky pads to catch spiders on. Yeah. Spider hole. Put, a, sound put our spider traps out. Yeah. <sighs> Boy, where's the show? Where's the show gone? <laughs> it just dropped like a down the spider hole. Fun stuff. All that excitement ahead. Um, but first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country we need to be paying attention to? Thanks, Matt. John Podesta, former chairman of Hillary Clinton's campaign, said on Monday that the Democratic candidate supports members of the Electoral College who seek an intelligence briefing on Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. At least 10 electors drafted a letter requesting the briefing in advance of the December 19th vote. Podesta said electors have a solemn responsibility under the Constitution, and we support their efforts to have their questions addressed. This is John Podesta. Yeah. He's the same guy that couldn't believe that Donald Trump might not accept the results. Yeah. Okay, just check. No, this isn't accepting. the. This isn't having, you know, contesting the results. No. This is wanting a briefing, just a briefing on what was actually done before they vote. Yeah. Support them in that. Two police officers were shot during a routine traffic stop in Georgia Monday night, prompting a manhunt. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation said the officers from the uh, Livonia Police Department made a traffic stop off Interstate 85 before being fired at by the person in the vehicle, identified as a 22-year-old South Carolina resident by local media. Both officers taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, one shot in the hand, the other in the shoulder. Police apprehended the suspect after a two-hour manhunt. He now faces charges of aggravated assault on police officer. The incident marks the third attack on police officers in Georgia in the past two weeks. Mm. In other news, the Supreme Court has rejected challenges to the estimated $1 billion plan by the NFL to settle thousands of concussion lawsuits filed by former players. The court's action on Monday clears the way for payouts to begin to former players who have been diagnosed with brain injuries linked to repeated concussions. The settlement covers more than 20,000 NFL retirees for the next 65 years. The league estimates that 6,000 former players and nearly 3 in 10 could develop Alzheimer's disease or moderate dementia. Players could receive up to $5 million each in the case of severe brain trauma. Wow. So they were trying to get that reversed, and the court said, uh, no. Yeah. That's the official response there. The, the official response is no. No. Go ahead and pay out the billion dollars. Uh, and finally. Yeah. If you could ready clip one there, Miss. There, Jeff. Hold on a second. This You'll hear an announcer of a woman's hockey game. Okay. In this clip. Yeah. Um, it's kind of soft to begin with. And then he tends to lose his mind. Oh, cool. And uh, it's a women's hockey game. Boston University, they won the game Saturday night against Minnesota in uh, in overtime. Six to five. So here's the final. And Tarnowski working with it. Tarnowski gets it behind the net. Tarnowski, do I leave it for Flynn? Flynn scores! Natalie Flynn! Natalie Flynn! Natalie Flynn! Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Minnesota! Natalie Flynn, the captain, with a multi-goal game! I have lost my voice in excitement! The Terriers take this one! 
game in the overtime. The, what what was her name again? I think it was yeah. Natalie Flynn. The the building is empty. Yeah. Like He's screaming still, louder than all the other seven he, he people. He could be heard probably across the entire building. There was nobody at this event. Did he say good morning, good afternoon, and good night? Yeah. That's what Truman Burbank said in the Truman Show. Interesting. Sounds like he's stealing something. He was really into that hockey game. Wow. That was now that was for a women's soccer or women's hockey, hockey. league. Yeah. In Goodnight, Minnesota, I think he was saying. They were playing in Minnesota, mm. but at Boston University, who he's the play-by-play voice for, won in overtime. Well, he was the play-by-play voice. Apparently, he lost his voice. Yeah, they have the backup in there now. I think you underestimate how important hockey is to Minnesotans. No. It's huge. That guy about it took his life. It's a huge – why are you laughing? That was a sad thing. Well, I don't know how important it is. That game was held in Minnesota and the stadium was empty. Wasn't yeah. it like an exhibition game? This is women's hockey, so I'm not sure. That's fantastic. If it was men's hockey, I wouldn't really be sure. Well. It's just more the fact that the guy just screams. <laughs> yeah, that. I've heard basketball, NFL, But it's football. exciting. It is. It's he exciting. go all the way. Yeah. It's like, you, you know, you're hanging on the edge. Except, honestly, he seemed bored to tears yeah, until like, nah, 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 the big nah. score. Do you think it would improve things on our show if we shouted? No. Maybe we should try shouting. He's no. Like, no, no, no. We've tried everything. Shouting's not going to help the show. Hmm. <sighs> but I'm we, just saying we should try. Well, we've lost our voices. If you so. don't go, the only one that's, you don't know. If you don't go there, you don't. No there. No there. Yeah. Hmm. The only one with a voice left is Terry. Yeah. So, Terry, do you want to try shouting something? No, that's cool. I don't really like to shout. Yeah. Hmm. I think shouting uh, promotes the, the wrong character trait that I would like to present. You're trying to present a, a, a healthy character trait, yeah. a calm. Absolutely. Calm, collected. Yeah. Speaking of loud. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. Yeah, there's a. Uh, Let's go. You want to get back to Schick is what you're doing. I've been told that he's ready to go okay, again. So Schick Shumway is one of our uh, roving reporters. A lot of uh, a lot of you have heard Schick do a lot of our um, – he's always on the scene of the, the great tragedies, the great – I mean he, it would have been fantastic if he had been on the scene of that person screaming. Like we well, had, I don't think you'd be able to hear him there either. Maybe we ought to see if he could go do a play-by-play. That'd be fantastic. But Schick um, has done something for us. There's a young cancer patient who is trying to blow so, uh, some stuff up. You know, you've heard of um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation where they grant an unusual request from a, a person who's suffering from cancer. And on this day, it's a 12-year-old cancer patient, and all the patient wanted was to blow some stuff up. This is a 12-year-old boy um, is in remission from leukemia. So he spent some time with uh, the AFP, which is the Australian Federal Police's specialist response group. They're the ones that deal with bombs and explosions. And they spent the entire day blowing stuff up. Shik Shumway is there at the scene uh, to interview this wonderful boy as they're blowing stuff up. He needs to step away. Yeah. Schick. 
still didn't he, get that. He promised me he was going to fix that. Sorry. Yeah, so he, you did talk to him though, right? And that was like 20 seconds of a 10-minute segment. You, I think what it is, I think, uh, you know, Schick had an accident as a child where somebody put an air horn right next to his ear and, and blew oh, wow. the air horn. Let's change, change the subject, please. Why? The same thing happened to me. Oh, it did? Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I did not know that. Although his was uh, was his, his was the left ear, mine was the right ear. What? <sighs> anyway, uh, I don't think Shit can hear that we can't hear him. So I asked Jeff to talk to him, but apparently that message right. somehow got lost in translation. Mm-hmm. I made it very clear. You did. So. Well, very clear. Did you make it clear in the right ear or the left ear? I, he may have been. He may have had the phone up to his left ear. Yeah. Can you just do that next time, Terry? Yeah, yeah. Just use your deep voice. Okay. Maybe it's the lower register he can. Yeah, hear it's that the lower better. register he can't hear. The high would be the more where the air horn was. And the it's low. like the third. That's the third. That's actually now the fourth time. Schick has done a story that we can't hear. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe let's just next time let's send him. Where there's no noise being made. Okay. A quiet story. Quiet story. All right. We can do that. Yeah. I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong. I just would like it. I just would love to hear his his words. <sighs> Terry, any other sound, any other uh, stories we need to be paying attention to right now? The Sandquist family. Who? Sandquist. It's a family Husband, wife, couple. Oh, kids. the Sandquist. They were driving from Oregon to California in December, and their yeah. GPS told them they head straight through the mountains of the Rogue River National Forest. As soon they soon discovered heavy snowfall and it was there this time of year, and the roads they aren't plowed. Ron, wife Karen, and their nine-year-old daughter and the family dog eventually found themselves stuck and without cell phone reception. Wow! They spent a frigid night in the family car. Ron hiked out the next day, was able to call nine one one. He hiked for two miles. Wow. He says, I'm not even sure if I had a shovel, what I could have done to dug uh, to dig out, he says. Uh, rescue crews got them back on the road again. Um, the, the, the local sheriff's office issued a statement reminding drivers to keep in mind that the GPS system often don't take into account winter conditions. So I guess my question is, how far do you keep driving looking at your GPS before you go, wait a second, this might not be a great idea? Well, if you're Michael Scott, you drive into some water. Is my wife with me? Yes. Because that might make a difference. Well, I'd probably you don't want to look bad? Well, I probably wouldn't drive as far if my wife was She'd with probably me. tell you to stop. Yeah. Just, I keep thinking, I'll just give the, it one there's more There's been several cases. The, people just look at their phones and go, well, GPS says go this way. And it's like, there is a lake there. Don't keep driving. They just keep driving. Because hmm. apparently the, the computer knows better than you and your eyeballs. Yeah. Well, actually, that's why I just trust my wife. Well, my I think wife if, knows better than all of us. If you're going fast enough, it's common knowledge that you can kind of just skid over the water. Oh, oh. for sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to be going fast. Anybody that skipped a rock, they know that. So just put a couple of tons on the water and just go really fast and it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Same principle. <laughs> Same it's all physics. This isn't brain surgery. 
Good stuff. What's with the music? Is this driving music? Well, they were in the mountains, right? Yeah, but not like the Smokies. Not the not the. We're not in West Virginia mountains. I don't think. Okay, Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump ass says who? <sighs> okay. Well, up next, Julie K. Nelson will be joining us. Twelve tips for not overspending for the holidays. Stick with us. The Bomb Mom is up next. Tired of the same old boring game shows? Is that your final answer? $350,000. Open the case. Then you're sure to love Nailed It. The new BGC game show that makes contestants complete random challenges with a nail gun in their trousers. Like kicking a field goal. Nailed it! Or dancing to YMCA dressed up as the sailor from the village beach. Nailed it! Or knitting a cap. Nailed it! Viewers love it. I suffer from depression, so this show is kind of like the highlight of my day. And the contestants seem to have a good time, too. Uh, At first, I wasn't a fan of all the nails, but after the 50th or 60th nail, you... Can't feel it as much. Witness this novice gymnast do a whip, followed by a double back into a round-off handspring, and finishing up with a layout back. Nailed it! Nailed it! Coming this spring to BGC. Welcome back, friends. In the studio, Julie K. Nelson. Also known as the bomb mom. I'm laughing because your voice is like two octaves yeah. lower than normal. You sound very that, manly that, today. But see, normally I feel more manly than I am today. <laughs> now I feel like if I cough too hard, I'm going to like blow. I'm going to have a hernia. You know, keep that cold because you could really get kind of a career in the radio broadcasting world with that. Oh, you that would a be deep great. Voice. Yeah, you could make it big. Like what if I just... Yeah, if I could get paid to do this. <laughs> to be cold, have a cold all the time. It'd be huge. <laughs> so um, thanks for the bread. Hey, you're welcome. Merry Christmas and thanks for the gift. Yeah, I've been just making some treats. Mm-hmm. Like me at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do you spend a lot of time in the kitchen? I do. During Christmas season? I love to bake. Do you? Yeah, I love to I, bake all the time. No, I, I don't bake. I just like to hang out in the kitchen. <laughs> and watch other people make food uh-huh. for you. And then... <laughs> I get to eat it, and it's very nice. Very nice. What uh, Today you're going to talk about uh, how not to overspend. Yeah, to not make mistakes uh, this this holiday season. I've had a unique perspective, Matt, because guess what's happening? I'm not celebrating Christmas. What, why? What I know. happened? Can you believe what's it? What's wrong? For the first time ever, I am being like – did you ever see the movie Christmas with the Cranks? No, but with I Tim knew Allen? a crank once. Oh, it's really good. And, and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, it's yeah. good. so they they decide they're not going to do Christmas. They're going to go on a cruise or something. Oh, that's go to Bahamas that's, I something. love that. Yeah, and so they don't do anything, and the whole neighborhood like gets so super mad at them because they don't put up lights. Uh huh. They don't win the neighborhood light contest because of that one house. That, you know? Yeah. And um, they just don't do. They don't buy presents. So we are actually going on a cruise, and uh, so I. Where are you going? Down the Baja. So we're not going to do Christmas at home like normal stuff. So you're you know? the cranks. We are. So we decided to do the same thing. So we're just like, okay, kids, you're, this is your Christmas present. You're going to California. And um, that's it. So I didn't buy one 
present this year. One, I didn't put up a tree. How great is that? It has been the best December ever. Do you feel relaxed? Oh, yeah. Totally. It's been the best Christmas ever. Are the kids complaining? Some, I, no, I because see they some know we're going to do something fun together. You know, we're going to do something fun. And what's so f- funny is that I've had this unique perspective of, of driving past stores and thinking, I don't have to go in there. <laughs> Fight those crowds. That's so nice. Suckers. No, I love that. I, p- parking lots full of cars and I don't have to go. I don't know. It's just the greatest. So I want to share just because now I'm seeing the stress that is involved with shopping that I normally have that I don't have any this year. You mm. don't have to go cold turkey and never do another Christmas again like me. Yeah. But there are some things that I've um, I want to share from um, from Teresa Hunsaker's article in Live Well Utah that really I just <clears throat> it made a lot of sense this year because of me not shopping a single for a single thing that I want to share 12 tips or 12 mistakes I should say that we make during the holidays. Cool. The first one is that we just go shopping but we don't have a budget. So before you make any purchases, decide what is my budget, just like you would do with any other time of year. We make budgets. We're supposed yeah, to, right? Yeah, you're supposed to have for a budget. Food and for- Some call it the B word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you decide what uh, December, and, and it's nice to also if January to say what will be my, our Christmas budget and save for that budget all year round, yeah. and then you have this pot of money, and when it's gone, it's gone, and then you don't overspend that, and also you tell your kids, this is the budget we have for each of you. You can tell them a dollar amount. We did that yeah. as well. Santa's got a budget. <laughs> yes, and so we would say this is, you know, or even for mom and dad, this is what we can do. So they would also, in the store, be very dis- discerning of what they wanted for that money, two gifts at that price or one big one and so that's the problem with these kids when they get older it's really one gift Mm -hmm. because they they're so expensive yeah so you give them a dollar amount and that helps them to really be um wise with consumers next one is don't don't um the mistake is not sharing the cost of entertaining where you put on a party and you have to put on everything and buy everything yeah um people really um, are very happy usually to bring, to bring something. something. Mm-hmm. So sign out things, sign out decorations even. Or... Like you bring the meat. <laughs> I'll bring the chairs. I'll bring the chairs. <laughs> and who wants to bring chips? And so, you know, ask people, what would you like to bring? You know, do a sign up or something like that or just say, you know, bring what you can and then you can do one plate of cookies at home but then you, everyone else brings their yeah. own leftovers and what they want to bring. And so have them share with the cost or put a dollar in, you know, to help with That's whatever. Good. So the other mistake is shopping at the last minute Ugh. or buying those little gifts for too many people. Gosh, those last minute things I kill know, you. But I always have this weird guilt like we didn't get enough. And you do this. You tell me this every yeah. year that you're always shopping on the last day, the 24th. I always, yeah. Uh-huh. That's kind of my day. Yeah. That Now, if you if you do that, you do have to realize that you're going to get a lot of leftover, picked oh, over totally. stuff. Uh-huh. And then you've got this anxious line of people. And you're you're shopping out of desperation. Mm-hmm. And so that's not the best place to, you know, yeah. really Bad be. Bad spirit. It's yeah. not good. Well, and when you buy out of desperation, you're not buying the best, best gifts, most no. thoughtful gifts. Oh, no, never. And, you know, when you buy little gifts, like, I'll just get little gifts for everybody in the neighborhood. Um, this lady who wrote this article suggested this, that um, perhaps an alternative to gift exchanges or neighborhood gifts is to, you know, maybe say, um, let's all donate money to, a, to an organization or serve in a charity. There you go. Um, and then tell them what you did. So, you know, you can do neighborhood gifts or friend gifts or whatever, but what? why not just do something where you all come together and do make a humanitarian kit together? How very – we most of us don't need any more stuff. Mm-hmm. I do not need another plate of anything. Yeah. And 
I've had friends who've done something smart where if they do want to do something for friends and neighbors and you want to do a plate of cookies, great. Then do a cookie exchange where you do your plate yeah. of cookies and everyone else contributes. And then you have, you know, 12 dozen or different kinds of cookies. But, but then you got a meeting. Yeah. Then you got another meeting. Yeah. <laughs> They like to socialize, but the point is, is don't buy one little gift for fifty or hundred little people because right. that adds up. Oh yeah, that really adds up. And then think about as far as those stocking stuffers, those little things that you're supposed to be putting in their stockings. Mm-hmm. You know, in the good old days, it used to be like chocolate and nuts uh, and, and an orange. orange. Yeah. yeah. And a kick in the head if you were lucky. <laughs> and maybe some coal. Now it's like you have to put in those stockings like tr- tickets to Lagoon. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, a gift card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Way too expensive, those little gifts. Right. You know, back back in the day, they used to be just little token things. Or it used to be the only. You know, back Laura Ingalls Wilder, that was the gift, was the stocking. Well, yeah. Yeah. Just waking up in the morning was the gift. <laughs> <laughs> Alive. Hey, you didn't Another freeze day. to death. Another day. Yeah. So think about the scaling down is the expectations of what the kids, uh, you know, want in that, that you've built up. Now they have to have these big things. So let's talk about with our kids and say, you know, we need to really um, manage our expectations and yeah. maybe change some things there. Um, fourth is to, we, we, a mistake is we buy new decorations and clothes every year, every holiday. Got a new outfit, new decorations. Pajamas. Mm-hmm. Some people are big into the pajamas. Yeah, I've never. You know, I think it's a great tradition if you make them, and that's a thing that you love to do. Do it. I've never done pajamas. Really, the problem is that they wear it on Christmas Day, and then it's then it's all of a sudden outdated in in one day. But some kids love to wear them year round, and that's mm-hmm. fine. That's fine. Whatever. But Go think ahead, about, Grandma. For, but think about you know if you want to make them, and that's your thing, your gift. That's great. But I'm talking about like where you go out and buy new outfits for you. You mm-hmm. know, like expensive stuff every year, new stuff. Besides, you know, if you do the ugly sweater contest, those ugly sweaters just get better every year, and so they last forever. Keep them. Keep right. them. Right? And so if you have like a nice sweater, vest, uh, suit, just maybe get a new tie to go if you want. There you go. Or if you've got a black dress, ladies, just get one thing to accessorize. But don't get something new every year. That's good advice. Um, and buy decorations, new ones every year. It doesn't need to happen. Use the old ones. Um, be frugal. Be wise. Number five, uh, we don't take advantage of free activities. We overspend going to way too many holiday th- oh, things. Oh, and there's a ton and, of events. And they all cost a, a quite a bit. And if you take the whole family, mm-hmm. you're into $100 a night. You know, So think about searching out for some free stuff and make it low scale. And think about that this is not about having a whole month full of high entertainment, yeah. maybe one or two things. But also let's go and do some things that are you know free and we can enjoy being together. There. I mean, how many community events, tree lighting ceremonies, the, the multicultural Messi- events? The Messiah singing. Mm-hmm. I, there's just so many great – I've gone to some free things already this year and it's been just great. Um, another, number six is a mistake we make is not shopping a year in advance. So Christmas should be in our mind um, – the day after Christmas for the next year. Yeah. And as we see, things pick them up, especially the after-holiday sales. That's, when, that's when we buy our tree. Yeah. That's when we buy our tree. It's a great time to buy a tree. We buy ours, too. And our decorations for our tree we yeah. bought after Christmas. Do you leave yours up all year, too? <laughs> Do you really? Just a few things. <laughs> it's just easier And that you way. have a fresh tree, too. Yeah, we do. That tree looks horrible, though. <laughs> Is it all brown now? Yeah. Oh. But they're so inexpensive. They are. Um so number seven, buying overpriced wrapping paper and greeting cards. You know, when you buy them like on December 1st yeah. and they're super expensive. Um, you know, it's, and again, again, it's managing your expectations. Do you really want to send out the most, you know, high quality 
cards and you want to really have the nicest wrapped、uh, presents, that's your thing. But if you're thinking about, we do overspend at Christmas time. This could be one of those ways that you could scale back and、oh. talk about how can we kind of minimize that. Yeah, many people are going to e-cards now. Yeah, though、well, that's great. We just we used to send out like 500 Christmas cards. Yeah, now it's those, all e-cards. Mailing those things with a stamp and yeah, now it's all e-cards. We changed e-cards a few years ago, and our friends, our longtime hardcore, we mail out cards every year. Yeah, we just got theirs this week, and they're like, "This is our last year." You know? Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I know it's not personalized, but you know, maybe even think about making your cards if you want to save some money. But you know what I did is I went to the restore last year and bought card bo- boxes of cards for literally fifty cents. Restore、um, the restore. Yeah, I don't know why they were there, but I really, you know. Scored, scored、um, at the restore. Yeah, and I don't mail them out. Those are just for people around that I send、cool. give cards to. But、yeah. but I also for the long distance ones I do the e card. We do three truths and a lie, and then every one of us make we well my wife is the brain behind it, but we make up three truths about us and a lie. And then we send it out, and everybody gets to answer it, and it's pretty exciting. That's、yeah, really fun. It's getting interactive.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, it's free. And, and wrapping paper can be cheaper too, as well. Just look for it. Look for after Christmas sales. Let's take a break. I want.、Uh, we're on number seven.、Uh, we're on number、uh, eight. Okay, we'll come back. Give you the four remaining tips, things to watch out for、um, from who better than the bomb mom? You got to go to her website, a spoonful of parenting dot com. And、uh, you can also pick up, pick yourself up some、uh, Christmas gifts. Parenting with spiritual power. Keep it real and grab a plunger. Two wonderful books by Julie K. Nelson. Stick with us, folks. She's the bomb mom. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in studio, Julie K. Nelson, also known as the Bomb Mom. She's a professor at Utah Valley University and、uh, is an expert in parenting and making sure that families stay together and make it through the holidays without going broke.、Mm-hmm. I'm being happy, you know. Be happy for、mm-hmm. Pete's sake. Enjoy being together. Life is good. And if you go to a spoonful of parenting dot com, you can get all of her latest and greatest. Today, she's talking about twelve tips to not overspend for the holidays. Twelve、mm-hmm. mistakes we make. Yeah, and I think budgeting or, or spending money without having a budget and all those other things we do that really、um, they cause just major stress this month. Oh yeah, and then we take it out on our kids and our spouses, and we're unhappy people. And then we have the post holiday blues in January, where we're all like,、oh, I can't believe. And these bills start, the bills start coming in. Coming in, yeah. So if we just manage it and manage our expectations and and kind of scale down and make it more simple, then think about how much more we can have energy to in to enjoy our family. Yeah. And then in January, we're happy with what the bill says. My can- son is on an LDS mission and wrote to my wife, "Don't worry about getting me anything. I don't. I'm loving it. Don't just a sweater." Yeah. So. But but mom in her head's thinking, well, but all the other missionaries are going to get a lot of stuff, so I don't want them to be. But kids probably don't care. They, half the it's、time. all their expectations, really, what we set them up for and what they've had throughout the years, and and having traditions and holiday or traditions and rituals throughout the year, and especially during the Christmas that don't cost a lot of money. My daughter is also on a mission. She's in Russia right now,、mm. and now what, she needs stuff. <laughs> 
she 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 does she said so this is what she's doing instead of spending a lot of money and all that sort of stuff is that she had some people get together and they had a Christmas party and they made gingerbread houses because they've never made gingerbread houses over oh, there. Over, they don't know what that is. Yeah. And she just bought a few little things of candy and marshmallows and taught them how to make them with like the graham cracker type oh, how things. Neat. Great. She didn't cost them anything. No. They had so much fun together. That's the kind of Christmas I'm talking about. That's um, a tradition. You taught her and now she's carrying uh-huh. it on yeah. to Russia. Yeah. It's so so much fun. And she said it was the best Christmas. It brought in the spirit you know, of the Christmas and just talking with people and seeing the creations, taking pictures. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. That's what Christmas should be about and not the going out there and spending a lot of money and feeling like we have to overdo it every year. Right. So number eight, one way we overdo it is that that's the month where we feel like we have to go out and eat all the time. Uh. So a mistake we make is splurging on meals away from home during December. That's another thing that's going to add up on our you know, bank statement and during January, we're going to get dinged with a lot Ugh. of charges. Now, uh, Christmas should be about getting together, but you don't always have to do it away from home at the restaurant. Um, so think about simple meals again. Number two, share the cost of entertaining. Have people bring in some plates. Maybe doing some appetizers. You know, just have that for a fun. It's soup. It's the month of soup. Yeah, it's a month of soup. It really is. You can is. just put soup out. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, our church just had a, a Christmas party, and, and it was very well done, and it was all just everyone bring a pot of soup. Well, that's when you get sick. That's when somebody <laughs> brings E. coli. <laughs> no, when he got sick. Okay. It was so fun. Number nine, uh, uh, one mistake we might make is paying for those warranties and appliances on electronics Ugh. that are just not necessary, yeah. and they're too much. So odds are you don't need that extra coverage because most major appliances don't break down during the extended warranty period, or you might already be covered. Look at your four, there's four major credit card networks, Visa, MasterCard, Discover and American Express that provide up to a year of extended warranty protection. Um, so, you know, you might already be getting that so you're double, you know, you're double covering. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um and then number 10, not being, not clearly planning your charitable contributions. Um, if you want to donate during December to some charities, make sure, again, that you know in January what those will be and you put that money aside and then you limit yourself because then we start wanting to, yeah. to, to donate to everybody. That's right. Everyone's got a story and it's, they're all legitimate. They're all wonderful. I do want to help out, but you have limits on your budget. So mm-hmm. be really careful. And then also consider that it doesn't have to be just monetary, that you can contribute by doing Time, things. energy, time. resources, yeah. mm-hmm. clothing. Yeah. This is a good time to clean out the old clothes. Mm-hmm. Give them away to charity. Yeah, yeah. So think about other ways to donate as well. Um, and then number 11 is going overboard for your kids. Oh, kids. Right? Yeah. Okay, this is the biggie. Again, parents, it's the expectation you've built up over the years of what they're going to get. It's like the Dudley thing from Harry Potter. I got 25 presents last year. I got to get 26 this year. <laughs> so sit down with your kids and say, this is our budget in January. Tell them what it's going to be, what they're going to get. Yeah. Help them to be wise consumers of of purchasing in, in December. And then as they are buying gifts for one another, don't hand them the money. Let them earn that money for their siblings or friends or whatever it is. I always said, if you're going to do friend gifts for for my teenage kids, then go out and you know use that for your, some of your money that you earned. We um, told them that because of Trump's election, there was it caused some problems in the North Pole, and now there's there's some people on strikes, 
and they may be closing a factory. So our kids think that it's not going to be a great year because of Trump. Right. So really, I don't know. I mean, that's just one way to do one it. One way to do it. I don't know yeah. if I recommend that. But I'm saying make sure that they know that they're responsible as well for purchases. And then for siblings, they can either do some gifts that they've made or some kindness, like some coupons of service, yeah. for, service for that's one another. Cool. Or that they earn some money and buy those gifts. and. Show them what it's going to cost for you to buy gifts and make sure that you stick to that budget. And if they whine and complain, they've had a whole year to get used to that idea. Yeah. Starting in January, you know, you'll March, be fine. March, you'll be fine. That's good. Um, so make careful that you don't grant their every wish and stay the course of your predetermined budget and live in the reality of it. And um, remember when you go to buy a car, you mm-hmm. talk to the car salesman. You say, okay, this is my budget. This is what I can afford. Or for a home, this is yeah. what I can afford. And you stick to that budget. You have a price point. So why not do this with your kids? I have a price point this year. This is what it is. I do it with, to buy a car with a salesman, not why not with your kids. That's a great idea. Last though. one. Last yeah. one. Okay. Number 12 is when we're out there buying stuff and we're in the stores and we get into the holly jolly spirit, right? Yes. The jingle bells and we're standing there and we're like, see all these impl- – oh, the, I love this. I have a friend who posted on Facebook this, this, last, uh, this last week. It was so funny. She said, how many times have I started a sentence with this? As an early Christmas present to myself, <laughs> so we're in there to buy for other people, but we end up buying for ourselves, yeah. and that's what we really get dinged right. with, and that's a mistake, a big mistake we do for during Christmas. So remember, this is not a present to yourself month. This is not about you. Unless you are buying for the people, and you, they are going to wrap this, and you've done them a favor, like your spouse. Yeah. They, they should take <laughs> care of you. Have you ever done that during Christmas, where you oh, yeah. wrap the present up? Thank you, honey, and he has no idea what's in there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Every day. She does that to me every year. But this should be the one present from them and not that you're buying, you know, massive amounts of things, you know, that are just for me. Um, So unless that early Christmas present to yourself means taking a nap, reading a good book or playing board games with your kids, you should be wise on how you justify buying things, especially during December. See, that's good advice. So the average on average, we spend about $130 on ourselves beyond the presents we're already going to get, according to a national retail federation. So be careful. $130 on yourself is a lot of money on top of what you're already buying for everybody else and what they're already buying for you. So no matter how good the deal is, pass it up. So good. And you'll enjoy it as the year goes on. Then you can save it and then spend it all in January. <laughs> Have fun on your cruise. Hey, thank you. Merry Christmas thank to you. Thank you, and you too. Uh, her name, you got to remember it, Julie K. Nelson. She's the bomb mom. Go to her website, a spoonfulofparenting.com. We'll be right back with our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends of the Matt Townsend Show. Let's send it down to our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Charge! Charge! Going this way. Wow. WCC refs. Whoa. Who are not positioned. Whoa. You Guys, weren't ready for that, were you? No. That was incredible. You took my breath away. Well, when you cue us up with that. It's hard not to do that, right? Yeah, you were trying to give us the charge sound. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um. Wow. Did you hear that? I did hear that. That's intense, too. That's one of the, the better moments we've had together. <laughs> um, hey, let, let me do so – you guys, you guys are experts in play-by-play. Do you let – me, let me play you this, – this was a play-by-play that they did at a female hockey uh, game, and I want you guys to judge the play-by-play standard here. Okay. 
And Tarnowski working with it. Tarnowski gets it behind the net. Tarnowski has to leave it for Flynn. Flynn scores! Natalie Flynn! Natalie Flynn! Natalie Flynn! Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Minnesota! Natalie Flynn, the captain, with a multi-goal game! I have lost my voice in excitement! The Terriers take this one! Six, five, in the overtime! Wow! Was okay. this the national championship? That, I think, was the... I think they they must have won the gold medal, right? I think so. Natalie whoever, Flynn. Whoever Natalie Flynn is, she I think she plays for Canada. That was her dad, I they think. They must have won uh, the gold medal because that wasn't uh, a Bo- high-score college game, surely. It was right. Boston <laughs> University against Minnesota. Oh, BU. Okay, Boston and Minnesota are two hockey. storied hockey oh, programs. Yeah. Oh, both programs got good hockey. Good hockey? How do you say that? This isn't for the national championship, right? I don't no, think. I don't think they won. I think the it was just. I think that was just the first game of the year. Oh, okay. Charity game. It's just a charity game. There's just a little pickup game in the backyard. Uh, you got to put the puck in the back of the net, you know. That's a bit. That's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This, when you can't understand. Somebody, yeah. Too much. Too much. What do you think about the good morning, good afternoon, good night? That seemed like a little. You Is know, that what he said? Yeah. I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand, understand what he was saying. Yeah. yeah, you didn't yeah. miss much. He said good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Yeah. Listen, play. obviously that's excessive. Play-by-play uh, play is difficult. Yeah, it's no, I think it'd be really hard. describe what's going on that makes sense. Is it on TV? Is it on radio? There's kind of a different cadence there, different level of description, different. Minnesota, by the way, BU beat Minnesota. Minnesota was the number two team in the nation. Oh, okay. That's why I was saying Oh, that makes it okay. Then. Is yeah. BU ranked? <laughs> uh, BU is... Not it doesn't say, but they're probably oh. going to be ranked now. Come on, the Lady Terriers. <laughs> My bro-in-law just got a uh, PhD from Boston. It's really, so, it's yeah. so early in the season. I know you guys. You guys, though, you know play by play, and I think the minute you start screaming like that, it's. I mean, yeah. it's just hard. Like, where else is that kid going to go when there is something bigger that happens? Yes, no, he has no room no. to grow. We've had a conversation already, like. Yeah. Hit the peak. <laughs> We've had a conversation about this. Like, if it's a regular season game and there's a buzzer beat. Like, Spencer's call was on SportsCenter for Lex Eaton's half-court shot. Right, that was San huge. Francisco, uh, like a year and a half ago. You have to be careful. Is that for a regular season game? Is it a rivalry? Is it a ter- uh, postseason tournament game? Is it the NCAA tournament? Is it for the world championship? You have to be careful because you don't want to go crazy you don't want to overdo it because you want to be fair to that situation does right. it deserve some excitement yes. yes does it deserve uh screaming at the top of your lungs like that. uh there's an air raid on germany in world <laughs> war ii my leg like, somebody yeah, shot I would my leg like off that if my leg was severed in half that like, so let me get this straight that is the tone we'd use if somebody had blown my leg off yeah yeah okay i think good. that would be appropriate at that point i wouldn't be like mm, that was over the top yeah. Now, this was just a regular game, regular season game between the two teams. Yeah. But one of the teams was second ranked. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. I, I understand that, but it, he's, he's calling it like it was for the national championship or for the gold he's medal. He's calling it like it was uh, life or death. Literally. <laughs> hey, did I tell you what I did while I was sick, you guys? No. I thought about you a lot. Um, because I had extra time to, to think. I just watched all the Jimmer Fredette. 50 point games in China. Cool, right? And um it was it was just fun. Bacho Gewalt? Pardon pardon? Bacho Gewalt. That's when he signed with the Shanghai oh. Sharks, we looked up 
Pass dang ball, please. Bacho <laughs> gewa. Bacho gewa. Oh, I thought you were speaking Minnesotan. Oh, no. You should watch. Oh, take Seriously, off. Matt, you should YouTube Jimmer Fredette highlights no, in China. And I did. listen to the Chinese play-by-play. Oh, guys. but I can't. I don't understand it. They're hilarious. Well, just their intonation. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of being in Korea. Really? It's Does like, it? Oh, 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 yeah. Do you, do you think your Korean language helps you in your play-by-play? Um, it could in the Winter Olympics in 2018 when they're back in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. Does Does Brazilian help you, Jerem? Portuguese? Oh, Portuguese? Yeah. Uh, Brazilian? <laughs> uh, no. Does your Brazilian no, language help you? No. Does your Portuguese help you with your play-by-play? No. Okay. It did help a lot with your Minnesota accent. Here's the thing. Oh, Learning another okay. language did help me understand the English language better than I ever yeah, had. Yeah, For sure. So there you, actually, that. you actually study it. See, you guys. English is the weirdest language ever. It really is. It's the worst. Hey, are you guys still doing your show today? Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's on your show today? The Top difference the between eight and nine. Well, it's one, right? <laughs> Yes, but it would appear context, that it is an integer of one. In the context of a college football season, mm. how much impact does that have, let's say, in BYU's specific case, if they finish the season with nine wins or eight wins? Is it really that big of a difference? Oh, interesting. It is to the fans. Yeah, it's I mean, life it's or one, death. It's one game, but they're... Are so many layers to the final game of the season in the Poinsettia Bowl? We're going to dive into that and see. But what would the BYU fans give for one win over Utah this year? Mm, a lot. What's the worth of a win? What is the worth of a win? That's a good. That's a good. That's a good topic. Would what you else? Give up, would you give up two other wins for a win over Utah? Oh I yeah. Give up all my sins to know thee. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That went weird. I know. That was neat, though. I mean, it happens it's... often with Jerem. Well, Jerem's just, it's his head's going a million miles an hour. You have no idea. So is his trumpet. A million miles an hour. Actually, I actually have a track baton in my hand right now. Do you really? I will hand it off to you if you come down here. I would, but I've got a cold. What else? Anything else on the show? Two on one with BYU senior offensive lineman Parker Dodd. He's, uh, he's our hostess Twinkies, buddy. That a boy. Okay. <laughs> Remember when Twinkies went out of biz and we're like, ah! Oh, yeah. And then they came back. Yeah. And that guy was like, ah! Parker is a very, very funny guy, and uh, he dropped a couple of one-liners that got us rolling pretty good yesterday. That two-on-one conversation, him riding off into the sunset after a victory over the Cowboys in San Diego. Like, Sweet. Really, really good stuff. And New York Times bestselling author Jeff Benedict. He was oh, yeah! Monday Night Football last night with Steve Young. He compiled Steve Young's latest biography, QB, My Life Behind the Spiral. Cool. He has a great relationship with Kyle Van Noy as well. Mm. Kyle was playing for the Patriots last yes. night against the Ravens, who feature three BYU Cougars. Two of them played last night. Pretty cool stuff. It's a good day. It's a good game. Yeah. You guys. That's a great show. Okay. We're, we're, we're with you, and in four minutes, it's all yours. And Ty Detmer uh, complimented Jeremy Jordan's... Uh, Ty Detmer impersonation. Oh, wow. Mo Williams going to run the ball, y'all. <laughs> that sounded like Ty from Texas. Texas Ty. I'm the Silver Anniversary Award winner, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the OC. You can call me Don't the make, boss. Don't make me laugh. Okay, go do your show. All right, we will. Peace out, yo. Goodbye, Bye. Matthew. See you, Mr. Detmer. Ty Detmer. We get a little bit of everybody on the show, even Ty Detmer, the OC.
offensive coordinator for the BYU Cougars. Hey, um, hey, I've heard again from Schick. Okay, Schick. He's yeah. doing an update on his story, but uh, there's one caveat to what? that. Well, he he needed to get to a room where we could hear him more clearly. Okay. Unfortunately, he had to share the room with somebody else. Okay. So hopefully so we can Schick. hear him. This is Schick doing the story on he's, the boy. He's reporting by, uh, next to another reporter. Okay. So the other reporter – okay. But we'll be able to hear Schick better because Schick is reporting on the boy that all he wanted for his Make-A-Wish Foundation was to blow stuff up. But we got rid of the yeah, explosions. no more explosions. So we can hear him a Good. little better. Schick Shumway. Go ahead. Chick. Chick. I have lost my voice in excitement. Yeah. The Terriers take this oh, one. Chick blew that. Five in the overtime. Yeah, too bad. He could have told that guy that maybe he was being a little loud. So Chick is in a room reporting on the explosion story, but he happens to be in the one room where the guy is screaming and losing his voice. Well. I don't know if that was better. I had hmm. a hard time hearing him, but my head's clogged up. Could you hear him better uh, next to the sports commentator or next to the explosions? I personally think the explosions was a lot better. Clearly. That was better. Yeah. Hmm. I okay. couldn't hear a word except for that screaming man. Apparently he lost his arm in an explosion. <laughs> was that the guy? I think so. Hmm. But he was recalling... Some great hockey game he saw to yeah. get through the pain. That was really good. Hey, as you know, we always like to wrap up the show with a hero story. And uh, today's hero are Best Buy employees who buy a Wii U for a kid who kept visiting. Employees at a Best Buy decided to chip in to buy a Wii U for a child that they noticed kept coming into the store daily to play f- uh, the free display. So the employees at Best Buy decided to chip in. They buy the kid uh, the 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 unit and uh, they posted a video of it on YouTube. Um, anyway, they're now the heroes of the day. On behalf of all of us here at Best Buy, we got you a Wii U. The employees told the child, "This is something we did for you. Everyone here sees you come in, and we all chipped in so you could have it." The child appeared to question the kind gesture at first, but the employee assured him it was all good. This wasn't a joke. No, this is for real. This is for you. Consider it an early Christmas present. So for all of you at Best Buy, you're the heroes of the day. Taking care of a little kid that probably made his life. He goes in every day after school, probably, to play the Wii, and you noticed it. That's it, folks. That's the show. That's all it takes to be a hero, is just paying attention to those in need and stepping up and giving what you can. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more information to help you live longer, love stronger. Until then, make it a great one.